Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the doctor as he travels the vortex and landed at episode number 212. And we know, now know when a Dalek is not a Dalek. When it's a Red Rocket Rising Dalek. I'm Keith. Mm. Yeah, it's not a good joke, but we know the truth. <laughs> I'm Sean. I liked it, Sean. Did you really? Yeah. Okay. I'm Sean. Yeah, that was clever. I liked Thank it. you. Keith, nice job. Thank it was, you. It was nice almost open. too clever. It was a call bit open. Do you want to do it again? Nope. Okay. Well, then I'm Glenn. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. We can go back and do it again. I'll give you a better reaction. All right, if you want to give a better reaction. No, it's up to you. Okay, we'll do it again. Okay. Traveling the Vortex. As he travels the vortex and landed episode number 212. And we now know when a Dalek is not a Dalek. When it's a Red Rocket Rising Dalek. <laughs> I'm Keith. I'm so sorry. I feel so bad for now picking on you every time. Uh, I'm glad. Do we again? What's going on now? Choose between the two you want to use. No, I say you run it all together and just leave it. Let's let them wonder. Uh, what are they doing this week? <laughs> The funny thing you is, you put on the, end, this, the, the beginning intro and then tack on the other one at the end. I came here. Clicks. I came here not thinking I am not going to have any energy. <laughs> I'm going to be the most boring <laughs> podcast host this. Huh? Let's okay talk. Podcast host this week, and then this happens. This is good. But I say I'm Glenn. I'm Glenn. <laughs> How are you guys? Oh, having a time. Having a time. I'm stuck in a hole. Because <laughs> of Twenty the Pooh Day. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. So you should be unstuck. <laughs> I know I ate the cookie. <laughs> so you gotta wait a couple was days. it the honey? It was the honey. It was, it was honey, yeah. 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 Well, you couldn't lure me into a hole with honey. You could me. Well, he's tubby, too, so I mean that, that kind of contributed to it. What are you trying That's to all say, Glenn? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, saying, I'm saying you're winning the poo minus the honey. 
so I'm fat and kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but lovable. Yeah, that's me. I think... <laughs> He does that sometimes, actually. <laughs> do, do your best. Oh, bother. <clears throat> oh, bother. <laughs> Christopher Robin! <laughs> that was a really good one. Oh. I really wish I would have watched Winnie the Pooh today. I did watch Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those shows, folks. Would you like to start over or wait till you get home? <laughs> I did watch Winnie the Pooh this morning. Which one? Uh, the, the mini adventures of Winnie oh, the Pooh. The, 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 the actual one. The actual one. one. Wow. That was before, that was before it even occurred to me yeah. that it was uh, Winnie the Pooh Day. Wow. That's nice. That is nice. That's a nice bit of serendipity there. It surrounds us. Isn't and that awesome? Us like yeah. the forest. Wow. Binds the universe together. <laughs> No, it was me putting off um, going and working on Mason's pine pine car derby car. Did you make it yet? Derby. You still haven't. Oh, uh, we got the block cut. So oh, we've good. got two more weeks. It's it's not Did you do a fancy weekend, shape. Or is it pretty? Simple? No, it's we, we went with like a just a straight steam streamlined slope sta- uh, that's shape. A, that's what mine was. Um, no tardis. We've got some. No, we decided. Mason didn't want to do the tardis, and Dad said, "You know what? You'll probably get maybe something for creativity, but you're going to have a lot of drag on that." And I, yeah, we better make it aerodynamic. Well, it could still be. We probably if it was on its end. It would be light. Well, bulb first. I still <laughs> thought I had Mason talked into painting it blue and still kind of doing a tardis <laughs> in the. And he decided he wanted Spider Man. So. It's a race car. <laughs> We're doing Spider Man. Well, that works. It's too. his car. Yeah. yeah Spider Man works. Huh. So, yeah. I still think we need to have the Traveling the Vortex Derby. <laughs> we could invite people to send in cars that, that you like. You at home, you make your own Pinewood Derby car, and then you send it to us, and we'll race them and post the results. I mean, you know, we'd have to build a track then. A piece of. Wood on a brick. Uh, it takes <laughs> they, more than that. They won't see me walk out of there in two weeks with that track. <laughs> <laughs> sneak, sneak, I need sneak. To li- liberate let, this. Let, and, uh, let somebody that knows how to build a track have to rebuild a track. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's very precise. you got to have that board drop at the same time all the way across so it's fair. Sean's mechanical. He can do it. Keith, we're going to post the results. <laughs> We're not going to cheat our listeners. Of course we're going to win. Well, I'm not going to say we're not, but we're not going to cheat our listeners. <laughs> yeah. You know, they got to get to the championship to race us first. Oh. See? Gauntlet drops. <laughs> a, friend of ours, drop. <laughs> a friend of ours, Dave Euler, when his stepson was in Scouts, they built a pine car, derby car. Pinewood derby Seems car. Pinewood, a Pinewood Derby it's car. It's a Pinewood Derby pine car. Pinewood Derby car. Yes. Thank you. Isn't it technically made of balsa? Yeah. No, it's No, it's if you did it with a balsa, you wouldn't win. Yeah, oh, okay. No, it wouldn't. It, it, it floated to the finish line. <laughs> well, he made a hedge. You need to make <laughs> that, He that made one would, for his stepson, and it was. Uh, they did it in as a Tron cycle. Oh. Uh, yeah, I remember yeah, that. It yeah. was really, really sweet. Really sweet. He had to kind of fudge the wheels a little bit, but it's still qualified. I mean, it's still I, I understand. Well, now they have the Tron like cars. Yeah, that's true. You could you, you just could do that. Out. I understand the other racers were a little PO'd over the the, the jet wall that wiped them out of the race. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's their problem. They, uh, they didn't know the rules. 
We can the coolest the thing was when the thing got to the end of the ramp and then it just took <laughs> that right turn. Just we should build a James Bond Pinewood Derby car and fill it full of like spikes and mines and things in the back of it. It's oil slick and smoke <laughs> just, just let everybody wonder. Still under five ounces. <laughs> and a license. Plate. It got lighter as it went. <laughs> Put a little uh, action figure in it and he shoots out the top of the roof. <laughs> uh, da-da, da-da, da-da. What's that button for? Whatever you do, don't push that button. Sean would be in the back of the room with the boombox playing the song. (laughs) I'd say anything. (laughs) It's nice to see him holding up over his head. (laughs) He'd even get the trench coat on. I'd be right there. Uh, One of my favorite jokes in the Cannonball Run, Roger Moore's car, is that whatever you do, don't push that button. (laughs) What's that button doing? Except for that one. Everybody's going to light their cigarette. He says, "Don't no, no, don't touch that button. It's, it's right next to the cigarette lighter. The, 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 the really funny part of that game, and it's subtle, but the really funny part of that is the fact that he's got a different broad in the car every, in every, every scene. And you can only assume that they all pushed the button. <laughs> and went, <laughs> I love Cannonball Run. Me too. That's why I haven't seen it in a while. The first one. Yeah. The, the, the second two were. Blah. I don't think I even there saw was a the third, third one? one. Yeah, it's called Speed Zone, but oh. it was supposed to be called Cannonball Run Three. In fact, it's it's the Cannonball Run. It, there's the only returning character, I believe, is uh, the Sheik. Jamie Farr is the only one that comes. How back. hard up was Jamie Farr <laughs> <laughs> after carrying the second film? Not very successfully. No, 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 no. To come back for a third attempt. Yeah, no. It, in fact, it was. In fact, on Imdb, it's it's. Yeah, I think in some countries it was actually released as Cannonball Run 3, but here it was re- uh, released as Speed Zone. Hmm. It had a lot of um, lower-tier B-list. Uh, I think uh, Joe Flaherty's in it. Um, I can't remember. There's a, there's a, a, a ton of B-list That's the SCTV actors. of Saturday Night Live. A, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> it, really, it really is. In fact, I think there was another SCTV <laughs> alum in it, but I can't remember who it was. I've only seen it once, and it's been a while. There was about 15 minutes of Cannonball Run 2 that was worthwhile. But the whole oh, the fight. Yeah. The, the, big, that, the, big, the, the big fight. That, the, was, that, that, that was, was good. The, that was awesome. But that was I good. I remember that. And then they realized, oh, that film my mind. <laughs> this movie's gone too long. We're just going to wrap it up really quick. And then we really didn't wrap it, wrap it up. <laughs> well, yeah, because they never got any fast, what, New Jersey or something? Yeah, and then yeah. the rest of the race was done on a map with an animated yep. line. That's how you know you didn't quite get there. But yeah, nothing, nothing. As far as that style movie, nothing can top the first one. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely not. I watched a slew of movies. Ooh, a slew. I just killed you. Uh, starting with Night at the Museum Two. Which, oh, you went on to. Yeah, I watched Secret of uh, Battle for the Smithsonian. I really enjoyed the second one a lot more than the first one. I think it was Amy Adams' character. Yeah, helped. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And I, I meant. I well, meant to Hank this, is there. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> I meant to mention this last time. It was better because Darth Vader was in it. Let's not Uh, mince words. (laughs) And Oscar the Crouch. Glenn had the issue with the mess. I didn't have that issue with the mess. (laughs) I think Glenn's the only one. I had the issue with the mummies. Achman Ra and his brother should be mummies. Why are they flesh and blood? The only way I can rationalize it in my mind... 
Because they weren't waxwork figures. It no, was actually, they were actually... The, but, but he's full flesh and blood. He yeah. wasn't a mummified person walking around like he should have been. Yeah. only thing I can rationalize in my mind is it's an Egyptian uh, talisman that brings him back to life, so the Egyptians fully... There's just, a fix for it. Yeah, that's that's the only thing I could come up with in my head to fix it. Where's the fix for cleaning up the museum every morning? There isn't one. <laughs> so that's my point. Because he kept getting in trouble. <laughs> Um, here, although, although I could see it a lot more because they wrapped up the uh, secret of the, or battle, whichever the second one is, <laughs> battle, <laughs> battle for the Smithsonian, a lot quicker. Yeah. And I, it was that flying back to New York, and I was like, oh, really? <laughs> that was the only part of the movie I was like, eh. but I enjoyed it. Very Paint, the painting bit. No, I just I the thought, painting bit was really. That I just saw really this you know, months ago. Joe Motorola was Jay Baruchel. Yeah, you know. It's been a few months, or been about a month since I saw this because I watched it in December. Didn't the the brother and I can't remember the first Egyptian guy's name? Didn't it was, he set up and was in the mummy wrap and then yeah, kind of got out of it? Off. Yeah, yeah. So at least at least that was there. Yeah, and that's what if if he would have signed up, I would have thought, oh, he's just a wax figure. Too doesn't Hank Azaria in this in Battle for the Smithsonian? Doesn't he sound like Boris Karloff? Oh yeah, I could hear. Oh my yeah. gosh, he was so good. Kind of so good. Really. Yeah. I enjoyed the entire thing. Much better than the first one, I think. And then I went on a Rings marathon. Watched Lord of the Rings or uh, Fellowship. I watched Lord of the Rings. I watched all three films. Not the extended editions, mind you. but And I, I enjoyed them a lot more this time also. Good. I've, I think I've come around. I don't know if just my tastes have changed enough that... I appreciate the fantasy aspects a lot more. Oh, Keith's grown up. I must be growing up. My tastes are evolving. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> that being said, they're not as well paced. I think I still enjoy the Hobbits more because the pacing is so much better. I see that. I uh, see that. I, the, only, the only exception, I think, is Return of the King. I think Return of the King is very well paced. Fellowship, I think, drags at some points. Uh, Two Towers, I think, drags at some points. I definitely agree Two Towers drags. Uh, but... Uh, Return of the King felt as long as the other ones, despite it being longer yeah. for me. I think Return of the King is, is... And there was a lot of Return I didn't remember. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I... probably necessary, though, to, to keep the pace of that one up since it was going oh, to be longer. Yeah. And, well, I, I watched Two Towers and I was like, I thought that bit was in the last one. And I thought that bit was in the last one. What's in the last one? <laughs> and then I got to it and I was like, yeah, I really don't remember this. Oh, I remember that from the Lego game. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that from the Lego game, but there was a lot of the stuff that I didn't... I don't know if I never truly saw it, or just saw parts, or fell asleep while watching it. I don't know, but <laughs> I did not remember it. However, what we I don't know... know is you didn't fall asleep playing Lego. I did not. The uh, Fellowship. I don't know if it's a failing on Tolkien or Peter Jackson. But the structure of Fellowship and the structure of Unexpected Journey... It's pretty much beat for beat the same. I even made, made notes to prove my point. Let me pull them up real quick. <laughs> and some of it, I, looking yeah, at yeah. looking at a map of Middle Earth, is geographical, and there's nothing to avoid that. Yeah. But well, it's the same journey until you get to Rivendell, and then in one un- story they go one this well, way, and the other one they go e- south. Even a bit but, further than that, because yeah, they well, have to go get, through the Misty Mountains. Yeah, you have to get through right, the. Right. But it starts with the flashback, and then the Shire. And then a bit in the woods for both of them. And then Rivendell. And then trying to go through Misty Mountain. And then having to go 
under Misty Mountain in both, and then both ending with looking at the mountain in the distance of where they're going to go. Well, I think that probably structurally the chunk of that was probably on Peter Jackson. But I do remember years ago reading some information about J.R. Tolkien, and he always said that he liked Fellowship the best of the of the trilogy that he wrote for Lord of the Rings. Hmm. And so I wonder if maybe when he finally finished and went back to write The Hobbit. Oh, he wrote Hobbit first. He did write Hobbit first. Yeah. Okay, well. Then, maybe that's why, because that it felt more out. like maybe that Maybe because he redid it. Maybe he retread it. Maybe, yeah. maybe that was how Fellowship comes about, because he kind was, of redid it. It was in, familiar. Yeah, and yeah. So it was familiar. Which, and I, I kind of had an issue with it, and I was like, wow, this feels so much like a retread, because I just saw this in The Hobbit, until I went and looked at a map of Middle-Earth, and I was like, oh, okay, so they reach this point, they take a right and then a left to go to two different mountains. Okay, it makes, it. it's not a deal-breaker for me, yeah. and now I think I'm intrigued to go read the, the books, reread The Hobbit, and read the actual books this time. We also finished Return of the King, but we did watch the extended cut, um... And now I am kind of intrigued to go watch the extended cuts, too. Is it just me, or did the Hobbit movies make New Zealand look much prettier? I think it's the race? high frame rate. Well, I, I did notice the, the <laughs> no, tone. I think he's right. I think it's tough. The tone, visually, Lord of the Rings is a darker trilogy. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's still Hobbit. beautiful. Hobbit it still made me brighter. want to go to, to New Zealand. But yeah, maybe I, it's I, the tone. I think it's well, just, Saren it, hasn't. Yeah, returned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, it sort of so makes it's still, sense. it's not as dark of a land. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. I did notice that that yeah. part I mean, of why forest, I, think I like I mean, the there, Hobbit there's is there's plot reasons for it. The forests are darker, mm-hmm. and there's evil in the woods, and blah 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 blah. But just all of the shots of the mountains and the big, big establishing, it just seems like they, in they, the they Hobbit kept, they were they kept, a lot prettier. They kept the visual than, tone the same to keep that darkness all the way across. Middle I think Earth. Keith. I think Keith's right though. I think that it probably has to do with the high frame rate and how they shot. I think that's a big part of it too. But it works. But, but the having watched the, of the story. Well, but it's not in high frame rate when you watch it on Blu-ray, and it still looks as well. But it's shot just a bit more brighter. Let's just say though it's it's shot with a high frame rate, so it probably uses different filtering oh, as far yeah, as lighting yeah, and things yeah. like that. And so it's going to well, it's not going to be high frame rate on Blu-ray, or it's the same on Blu-ray. You're still going to get this the the different colors. Eight Your coloration. source quality is better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Your source quality yeah. is better. That makes sense. That the could, coloration that, that is going to translate. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Uh, and then. A belated Christmas with Blake. He upgraded my side because, you know, the one piece had been broken for so right, long. Right, right, This is technically the 12th Dr. Sonic. Hmm. It's buttonless, aside from the... Oh. It's touch-activated ah. there on the black part, and so you, you don't have to right. twist down and push. But the power cord does come out. Oh, cool. So pretty neat. That's neat. What did you guys do this week? Uh, what, other, what other movies did you watch, Sean? Yeah. You said you watched a slew What did you run also? through your slew? I, I, I watched, we did Return of the King. We watched uh, Automata with oh, the, uh, Antonio Banderas. Because oh, it oh. popped up on Netflix, right? Actually, I, I took it home from work and rented it, and then it popped up on the Netflix like two days after we watched <laughs> it, and I went, I can't win for losing. It's... You know you can't win for losing. I can't win for it's losing. It's actually... Yeah. Impossible. Yeah. To win for losing. Yeah. Yes, I'm. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, 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 I'm agreeing with you. It's, it's I just I mean, hands that, that down. Phrase really makes no sense to, whatsoever. Winning for losing. Yeah. That's you just really can't. You can't so. do it. Um, the first half of the movie, I was like, 
I'm going to run out tomorrow and buy this. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. It is so good and amazing. And it had a little bit of a ghost in the shell feel or that, um, you know, ghost in the machine, Blade Runner, do robots have, the, even, you know, the AI, can they make that leap and, and, you know, become more than the sum of their parts? And then somewhere along the way, it, it just kind of, I, I, again, I, I kind of think it's down to Hollywood just doesn't know how to end films anymore. Looking at you, Peter Jackson. <laughs> you know, that's one thing about Return. <laughs> I, I remember thinking when watching it that, oh, God, this thing won't end. And I I got to... I went ahead and looked at the time code to see how much longer it was after... Uh, spoilers. Gollum falls into the lava. 30 minutes. Oh, good you mean, Lord, the, count, you mean the counter, not the time code. Yeah, the counter. Oh, okay. I... I I press select on my PlayStation 3, and it tells me how long I have left on the movie. Ah, <laughs> it's that long. It's a half it, hour still. Yeah. But this time, it didn't feel like there was a million of them. Sorry. Go on about Automata. Oh, yeah. So, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, it ends like uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Like well, no, I just... Uh, Return it, 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 they, were, they were going this direction, and then took this left turn, and kind of wound up over here, and I just... I, I, I really felt like they just weren't quite sure how to end the movie. Was it halfway or more than or like a quarter or three quarters of the way? Did they pull a District Nine where it totally changes halfway? Totally changes halfway through, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's still there. They're still striving for it, but it, you know, the location changes, the setting changes. Every, everything is different at that halfway point. And it's like okay, I, I'm still good with this, but you got to give me this to make this worthwhile. And they didn't quite get there. It's mm-hmm. still a really interesting film. I'll still watch it. It's still a really interesting film. Antonio Banderas is great, uh, and it's got a great supporting cast because um, Robert Forrester's in it, which that's an automatic plus for anything for me. Um, I forget who else is. Oh, uh, Melanie Griffith. No, oh, well, I know, that right? Make sense. <laughs> Why wouldn't that make sense? Her and Banderas are married. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> I know, right? That makes sense. So. <laughs> but I, and then I started second guessing they're par- myself. They're partners anyway. I don't know if they're actually married. Actually, but. Uh, um, but yeah, no, it was it was good. And then we watched. Um, I talked about from up on Poppy Hill last time. Yep. What was the? Uh... Oh, we watched uh, uh, the animated one. Um, Peabody and Sherman. Oh, how was that? Yeah. Oh my god, I love this movie. I was so worried. Did you run out by it right until the end, and then it was very Return of the King. <laughs> <laughs> It was like they didn't know how to end the movie. Yeah, <laughs> until the, you're right. Until the it's, end. it's 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 a fantastically fun film. Very well done. Structurally, it's wonderful until the end, mm. and then it's it, it's not a bad ending. It's not a bad it's ending. Just, it's just a, it's it's it does it goes a completely different way than you think it's going to go. Sorry. And it, it dragged on. Not it didn't even drag the on. It just it it, yeah. it it went one step too far. Yeah. I think in establishing the end. Boy, there's uh, a theme here. Yeah. <laughs> Hollywood doesn't know how to end movies anymore. That's all you got to do is write the ending to something yeah. and you're golden. Yeah. But um, no, it was so good and fun. And it, it, I Now, you're probably better versed in this than I am. I don't remember. In, in the movie, Peabody has officially adopted Sherman. Right. And I don't think. Like he is. I thought Peabody was his pet dog in the well, cartoon. No, because. And here's, here's why you know in the cartoon that he is not his pet dog. Because it's Professor Peabody oh, and his yeah. boy Sherman, and, his boy, and yeah, he always right. he always addressed him as, "Well, that's my boy Sherman." And I just took that but as the, a dog human yeah, thing, but not the, as a my boy Sherman. Yeah, no, in, an interesting in, in the humor hmm. of the cartoon. I think it was just that clever switch of instead of Peabody being 
you know, Sherman's dog. It was Sherman was Peabody's kid. Yeah. His okay, boy. so it was never uh, it was never thinking. No, so I, they, no, they, they dropped no. that on you early. Right, they do. So within confines of the film, it's fine. It, it's in fact, it plays very heavily into the plot. Hmm. Um, but you know, it was just kind of a surprise. The rest of it, uh, they did a a very smart thing by all of the time periods that they go to were either directly from the opening credits of the old Peabody and Sherman cartoons, the paintings that <laughs> yeah. he walks past on his way into the thing, or they were actual episodes. I mean, they, oh, they, they, they may nice. not have listed the plot, but, but the, the, set, the, the setting and the location and the in, uh, historical characters that they bump into. Um, and then Patrick Warburton showed up and was like, you had me in hello. But <laughs> hello. Um, and Ty Burrell does that awesome Professor Peabody. Yeah. He nearly did on. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Uh, just a great voice guest. Uh, um, uh, Steve Carell, uh-huh. or not? Steve oh, no, Carell. Uh, uh, not Carell. Uh, Colbert. Yeah, uh, Stephen Colbert. Stephen Colbert is in it, and uh, just the entire voice cast is great and funny and and wonderful. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. And I'd heard kind of eh, stuff from a lot of people when it came out, which is why I didn't go see it initially. But I was really hyped about it too, and I was like, I'll okay, I'm not going to go see it right now because I don't want my expectations <laughs> well, to be up here. I was worried about it based off of the previous movies that. The, you know, the Wayback Machine is better realized, I think, in this oh. because in the in the cartoon you walk into it, and you walk out. That's pretty much the basis. <laughs> it's a TARDIS, but it, yeah, it's yeah. really it really is a TARDIS in the, in the film. And <coughs> I love the I, I love the way that it still ha- kept the heart of every time they would finish with a location, uh, Mr. Peabody would give his pun. Oh, yeah. And, but the, the best thing was is Simon always reacted as he did in the in the cartoons. He always reacted with, oh god. You know, like, that was a terrible pun. You know, and so and, and and there were moments where he would make these little pun moments that were very like I'm, I look at my kids and I'm going, "There's no way in heck you got that. That was for me. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that was yeah, for me. exactly." And I had explained to Mel because there were a couple that I broke yeah, up yeah, laughing. Yeah. That's I did the same thing, and my kids look at me like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> That's the sign of a good kids' movie is when they get some jokes in there for the adults. Yeah, too. agree, and they're not. They're not like crude jokes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They're just more it's not toilet humor, but yeah. yeah, I really, really, really enjoyed that one, and just was super, super excited over it. I'm gonna have to search that one down now. I want to say we watched something else now, but I don't remember what it was. So, what'd you do? Find Derby Car. I didn't. I didn't get any. Rela- I didn't get any movies watched this week because I was catching up with shows um, that came back. Uh, Agent Carter. Third one out, third one not was, as not as not I, as good. I actually like the third one better than the other. Who did two. you? Yeah. Well, that's surprising. So did it, it didn't feel like a lot happened in it, but no, the, not, not the, plot wise, but the, character wise, there the, was a yeah, lot. yeah, character wise, there was a lot, and the end was very very emotional. I mean, they yeah. just they nailed powerful. that. Man, yeah. it was powerful. Um, so yeah, it was, so, it was a good character growth for her, more yeah. than anything else. So I did that, and Helix came back. And now it's set on an island. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I didn't watch anything else. I mean, I, did you watch Twelve Monkeys? I did not watch Twelve. I don't. I. I don't want to watch Twelve Monkeys. Actually, I'm, I'm not going to bother with it. I watched the pilot, and it was surprisingly good. I'm not going to bother with it. And here's the reason being is because I've done this before, where there's a movie that I am. I think I'm one of the handful, which they made a series out of it, so it must have been more people than me. But I'm one of those few people that liked Twelve Monkeys. I, I like love the, I, I, yeah, I like the movie. Oh, good. I'm glad you guys both liked it. I, I, I liked 12 Monkeys a lot. On, I never but a lot of times movie. they will take a movie that I really thoroughly enjoy that's just all self-encapsulating, 
and then they'll try to stretch it out into a series. I don't want that. I don't want to see that. I don't, I'm done. I've, I have this image of 12 monkeys in my head. I have these people playing the characters in my head. That's all. I'm, I'm done. I don't need any more. It's, it's perfect the way it is. And so I don't want to see what they do on television with it. They've done that before, and I can, nothing comes to mind. But they've done that before where they've turned movies into television series, and I've gone, <sighs> now it feels old, and it feels like it's been done, and it feels like we're trying to stretch this plot out so that we can fill at least 12 episodes. In some ways, it's a backwards, you know, it, it's one thing to take a TV show and make a movie based on that, which sometimes is a hit or miss proposition anyway, but it almost feels Most like, it, it almost feels like a step backwards to go yeah. from a feature. Like I, I don't watch it, but Hannibal, um, I've heard really good things about I've heard it. Really good and things it's a Brian Fuller too. show. So I'm, Oh yeah. Mm. <laughs> is Brian Fuller enough to get me over the subject material? Cause I really don't care. Maybe. I don't know. I'll let you know when I, it's on my list. They so. just announced apparently that, uh, the, the red dragon character is finally showing up and it's Richard Armitage. And I'm like, well, for Richard, I'd start watching this because he's so good as that. Yeah, got two seasons to get through that. Yeah. So unfortunately, they've they've missed the target with getting me excited about Twelve Monkeys. I wasn't excited about it either, but I watched the pilot, and it could be I'm gonna, I borrowed the DVD because I don't own it anymore. But it could be because I'm distanced enough from it that I don't remember truly all the fine details of it. But they did a really good job and made it. Slightly different enough to make it interesting, and I'm intrigued to see how they're going to sustain it. Still, it's uh, and actually, it stars Pyro, oh. X Men. I was actually um, hesitant to see Twelve Monkeys back in the day because I had read so much about how it was a it was inspired by uh, an occurrence on Owl Creek Bridge, which oh. is number one. Oh, one of my, I never. It's even one of my favorite of short stories, and it's one of my favorite short films which then was adapted and well it wasn't even adapted they just ripped it right off the short film and put it as a twilight or was it twilight zone or was it a uh night terrors yeah it was twilight, it was a twilight, zone. It was a twilight okay, zone. i couldn't i get those two mixed up sometimes night, night, gallery. Were all, night gallery night gallery yeah. see wasn't it in color when it aired or was it in black and, no, white? Black and white okay so then it was a because uh, i've seen the color film the film version of it which is the short film and then they took and they basically released it as a twi- an episode of twilight mm-hmm. zone i think they had chopped it down a little bit or maybe they had this no, they must have chopped it down. They, they didn't, it down, they didn't yeah. take, they, but they didn't take anything out of it, really. Yeah, no, it's a, I, mean, I mean, I think the film's only seventeen minutes, so I guess you, with commercials, you could get that into a Twilight yeah. Zone episode as well. So, um, Rod Serling's introduction, yeah, we're good, right? Yeah, I think I think that, but um, that's always been one of my favorite stories. So I was very hesitant to see Twelve Monkeys because that, I thought it would in, instead of listening or, or really heeding the warning that it's just inspired by. Yeah, it, thought it was I, I thought it was going to be an adaptation, and so I went into it hesitant, and then watched it and went. Okay, I see why this is inspired by <laughs> this, but it's such a uh, it's just such its own movie, and I loved it. And I love Brad Pitt, man. He was so, oh, I don't, I'm yeah. not a Brad Pitt fan. I don't flock to movies to see Brad Pitt. I will admit that there are a lot of good roles that Brad Pitt has played, and I've thoroughly enjoyed. But I he's, he's not one of those point. He's one of those characters that I go in and go, okay, what are you going to do with this role? But that one he was so good in. Yeah, and, and, he really and, was. Uh, uh, is it Madeline Stowe and uh, uh, yeah. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis for sure. And they did a fantastic job too, but just now a series. I'm like, eh, no, I'm. I, I, I'm I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll watch someday. a couple more episodes. I'll let you know if it, how it goes. It's it, it almost feels more inspired by from what I remember the film too. Well, so. that that certainly could be its own thing too. Yeah, it, it might help benefit. It. I, well, you know, maybe they'll come to me later. I'm sure I did more this week. 
I've been reading this really good book. I don't know if you guys, if I've talked about it. It's called um, "Who's Afraid of uh, Song of Style." It's. Uh, oh, written, I think you did mention it's that written once. by a Disney historian, and the, the guy's name escapes me right now. And forgive me for forgetting his name because anybody wants to pick up this book, I'll I'll try to put the show notes if I can remember. Um, it's actually the full title is "Who's Afraid of Song of the South and Other Disney." Um, Secrets and Rarities, or something like that. Basically, the first half of the book is is the what it took and the controversy surrounding the Song of the South, movie Song of the South. Um, ironically enough, most of our UK listeners probably are more familiar with Song of the South <laughs> than our American <laughs> listeners. Yeah. And the reason being is because Disney has, since like 1986, Disney has never re-released Song of the South in theaters, and it has never been released here as a VHS or DVD, at least wide release, because yeah. I, I have been told, although this book didn't touch on it, so I don't know how true it is, but I'm told that there was a VHS rental copy, a version that came to for rental stores that you can still get a hold of, but I've never been able to track one down. I want to say that is true, and I want to say that Duncan's had it. I don't know if that's an urgent well, you, see, and I, I think you're the one that told me that Duncan's had it one time, and I've heard from other people that they, were, they had experienced or, or witnessed a copy of it. Uh, in, anyway, the, in the old white clamshell yeah, show with yeah. Mickey on the yeah, we, yeah, and it, a, lot, a lot of them did the picture in the center and Mickey in the yeah. in the top, and they were all listed that way. All a lot of the the harder to get films. Okay, well, it may, all the live action stuff. You saw it; it might have existed. Uh, anyway, I make things up, and I don't remember yeah, stuff from it's yesterday. It's really, so. really a fascinating book, and because I've I've always been a a fan of the film. Racial denigration aside because i do recognize the issues that it has and i do recognize why disney is very sensitive about releasing it again yeah it's understandable i think the thing that i took out of it most though because i've never felt that it felt like a civil war slavery film although it doesn't it does have that caricature of uh negro heritage and african-american heritage in it but I, I can kind of separate the two as to it's a product of its time, which mm-hmm. it sort of was, and that it is one of those cherished classics that really, I think, could be released as one of those Walt Disney Treasures editions with a established setup by, say, uh, uh, Leonard Malton, who does a lot of the intros to a lot of the Disney uh, Treasury stuff, and and framed in context as released and, and make it a soft release. Don't make oh, it a yeah. big, you know, broad you know, uh, to do. flashy to-do about it. Anyway, that being said, I understand the context of it, and I, I personally have a copy of it that I got from the UK because it has been released on VHS and DVD overseas because uh, it's not as controversial with, out of context there. However, I didn't realize so much of the idea that there was controversy even leading up to and while they were creating this. I didn't realize that there was as much backlash. The NAACP was boycotting it when it came out in theaters, even at this time, when there was a lot more uh, racially sensitive things that were being produced. Gone with the Wind being one of those that's that's very much um, has a a, a racial tone, a a racist tone to it. Um, I didn't. There was a lot of things I learned about. It. it was really interesting. But I think the one thing that I came out of it with, realizing that the, the the greatest mistake that they did in making the film, was they don't differentiate the idea that these are not slaves on a plantation. This is Reconstruction era, and those mm-hmm. the 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 African Americans that are working on this plantation, while they are still painted in a light of in slavery and hardship, they're 
technically they're not. That this is that the idea was that this is because one of the things that points exactly to this is the fact that I don't know if you've seen it. I've seen it. Uncle Remus leaves near the end of the film because he has basically upset um, the little boy. Is it Johnny? Johnny's mom. Is it Johnny? I think it's yeah. Johnny. Yeah, has upset his, her mom. So he's actually leaving on his own accord. So if he had been oh, a slave, that wouldn't slept. have been yeah. allowed. Um, so, but what Walt Disney, when the company did, is they didn't frame that information well enough in the film to mm-hmm. say, this is not Civil War era. This is Reconstruction era. And this is a product of African Americans still working for the previous slave owners because that was all they knew and that was the jobs that they they could take at yeah. that time because yeah. you couldn't easily have left those plantations and found work in the deep south in that time. Yeah. And so if they had And that's one of those it, things that I think a lot of people conveniently forget yes. is that you know slavery was a bad thing and the Civil War happened and the Emancipation Proclamation said everybody's free and the Civil War ended and that was the end of it. It's because like, no uh, yeah, I mean, reconstruction a lot of was very though, difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And it was very difficult for African Americans because they they had gone through this horrendous slavery and then after that when you say, Okay, you're free, it's really hard just to walk into some place and get a job and be free yeah. because in the deep south you wouldn't have been able to do that because we still had segregation all the way up until the 1960s. It didn't. Yeah. It, it fixed some things, but it took a long time for us to get out of that situation. I think if Disney had framed it in that way, I think that it would have maybe soft sold it a little easier for them. But uh, if you're interested in that kind of thing, it, it, it's a it's a wonderful read. It's a, I actually bought the Kindle copy, which was six bucks. Um, it's a lot of uh, not a lot of fun. It's 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 a very interesting <laughs> read. Um, and then the second half of the book, which I haven't completed yet, but I've read the first couple of stories, deal with some of the um, lost Disney stuff. Um, the, Disney actually made a educational film, sexual educational film that was played in schools up until the 1970s and even early 80s called The Story of Menstruation, which talks about the female cycle. And so this, uh, there's one chapter in the book that talks about that, how it got made, and, and basically it was uh, sponsored by Kotex, and it was a, a way to teach girls about the changing of their body in a more in a softer tone and, and sell it to them to show them what was going through. And it wasn't something that necessarily played in theaters, although they made it sound like in the 1950s they did play it accompanying some particular films, and that a lot of people saw this in the 1950s, 60s, huh. and then, of course, in the 60s and 70s in schools as, as film reels, and which was quite interesting. And I actually have seen that on uh, YouTube. You can go, in fact, if you're any sort of slight YouTube sleuth, you can find that. <laughs> um, it also deals with the uh, cut scenes from Pantasia, and the way they got around with getting the film preserved in the uh, Library of Congress, because the Library of Congress requires that you make available a print in its purest form. And so there's actually two centaurs in the Fantasia scene with uh, Bacchus and and the, the centaurs going prepping to the lady centaurs prepping to go. Uh, meet the guys and, and basically mate, <laughs> find their mate, I guess I should say. And there were two little centaurs that were very African-American uh, caricatures at the time. Um, cornrow hair, large mm-hmm. lips, mm-hmm. you know, they were their bodies were donkeys instead of, so I can see where that's racially sensitive. But it also talked about how when they re-released Fantasia on DVD, they cropped the film in such a way that they cropped these elements out because you can't have... You can't be in preservation but not 
have commercially available the full length print of a film. So the way they got around it is they just cropped it out of the huh. picture in so many ways so that it's still there. You just still can't see it. And so Interesting. It's to, be, uh, to be interested, to be culturally relative. And uh, from the, I think it was even from the, the late 50s to the recent print that, that came out that has it, but you can't see it. You actually, and I, I remember this as a kid, there's jumps in the orchestration and the flow because back in the day they just pulled those Oh. Pieces out, yeah, and there there was there was noticeable cuts in those in that particular sequence. And I what's I can't remember the uh, the musical piece that that's done to. I can't remember top of my head. I can I can see it. It's, it's, it's with the guy and the wine and yes, the, the yeah. thunderstorm from yes. Zeus and, and Zeus the, gets, the whole you know, bit. I can see it in my head. I don't. I can't hear it. The of thunderbolts. I was yeah. excited when they added that to Netflix because I don't own that. It's been a, oh, really? a really long time. Anyway, there's there's a few other stories I haven't got to, and uh, maybe I'll relate those when when I get to them. But sounds interesting. I would really like to see them with, with specifically with Song of the South. Just just take a very straightforward approach to it and do what Warner did on uh, I don't remember which Looney Tunes Golden Era box set it is that features all of the the wartime you know propaganda films basically. And Disney has a Disney tre- treasures of that yeah nature too. Although um, I don't think DeFere's face is on it. It might be, but I don't think so. It, well, and it's got uh, an intro by Whoopi Goldberg. And, and she comments to the fact that, you know, these are presented in the form with which they were intended and animated. And, you know, they're a product of their time. And that attitude may have been wrong then, and it is certainly wrong now. But we feel it's important for this to be shown in its entirety in the manner in which it was done. So, yes, keep in mind that this is, you know, what was happening, and you will see things that you may find offensive or you may find that's, but this is what happened at the time. And it was just refreshing, yeah, here it is. Yeah. You know, and make your own mind up, well, which I thought was such a Well, it's more of the is it right? No. But it is an important piece of history exactly. so that we can learn that this was wrong. It helps and illustrate it, yeah, that exactly. it's wrong. It, yeah. it helps to illustrate that it's wrong. Yeah. Instead and of I, sweeping it under the carpet, which there's been a lot of people that have lobbied Disney based on that yeah. particular Looney Tunes uh, collection. Well, it can, it can, in today's society, in, those, in that framing, it very much, you can... I can't imagine most people thinking that it's right, and it would be a good illustration, no pun intended there, that it isn't right to do these sort of things. Yeah. A good teaching tool, as it were. Anyway, that's one of the things I remember that I did this week. I'm not even done with the book, but I, <laughs> I remember... Uh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it I'll find the uh, rest of that information to put on the uh, show notes, or if I come up with it here in two minutes, because it's on my Kindle, which is on my, on my <laughs> iPad here. We uh, were fortunate enough to kind of revamp uh, my work schedule a little bit this week. Um, by the time Saturday rolled around, I was already in overtime, and I was scheduled to work Sunday as well. <laughs> and uh, so we, we got some things revamped. I didn't have to be there today. And um, so it was like, okay, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> but, you know, don't be wrong. Eight hours of overtime I would not not complain about. You're but, that. Uh, you know, it would be kind of nice to have a day off, especially going into school next week. And um, so we went and got tickets to um, Legoland. And uh, we, we've been kind of wanting to spend some quality time with Katrina. She's been here actually a lot recently, but we just, it's not really been Even quality time, you yeah. know. So we, we, we took her down there and just had the greatest time. Now, you've not been at all. No, I've been. Or you have been. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I went to the Star Wars one. Oh, that's right. You went with uh, with, uh, with, Audi. with Audi. Okay. Yeah. 
You have been or not? I have not you been have to not Legoland. Been. It is so worth going to. I really enjoyed it. We had a, a she and she loved it. She was just. I think Gandhi would really love it now because when we went before, he wasn't as big into Legos as he is now. Yeah. Now he's huge into Legos and would probably bleed his father's wallet. Well, one of her favorite toys that she has here is she's got those those Duplo. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. big blocks. And every time she comes over, we build something. You know, we build towers, we build tunnels, we build bridges. She brings other toys out and plays with them all together. So I mean, she just she went nuts. This was like great. <laughs> and. Um, did you guys do the cart ride? Did the, the cart ride. With the guns? That's a lot of fun. So much fun. And so illustrated to me how ahead of my time I was. Because <laughs> way back when I'm mentally... 1990, maybe. I'd been to Disney World. I hadn't yet been to the Universal Studios, but I knew what I wanted. I wanted a theme park that would take the best elements of the movie theme parks and the best elements of genuine amusement parks like roller coasters because you can't you can't put me in a simulator and expect me to get all giddy over a roller coaster simulator it's not the same yeah. i want to be able to ride a roller coaster but i love simulator rides if they're well done and you know let's put them together let's do one park that has everything and i as a kid well i was a, I was sitting at Southwestern Bell doing this, but <laughs> I, I, I laid out and, and, and drew up a design. I meet you as a kid. My own amusement park. <laughs> and and one of the things I wanted this this ride you get in and you've got like a laser tag gun and you have to shoot you know things you're on a quest to go save the princess. But you know, basically you know little red dot comes out and you're and it's registering hits and things. Well, I had this idea back in the early early nineties uh, to do Terminator. Oh, yeah, Terminator was... Two had just come out. That had been ninety one, and I thought you get you get a little train car, and you've got a laser tag gun. It's got a cord that goes down there, and you go around the corner, and you're in future, you know, Los Angeles, and everything sucks, and it's all bombed out, and the hunter killers are on the horizon, and purple lasers are flying everywhere, and these animatronic Terminators are walking towards you, but they've all got sensors on them, and you and it registers a hit, and the arm falls off. I was like, that would be awesome. And then you got, you pass by, and everything resets and goes back in the wall. It's like, <laughs> I got this figured. This was very scaled down, but very yeah. much right in the vein of that. And I went, oh, I'm such a genius <laughs> that I wish people would know this. Um, the star, What was the Star Wars? Did they have the Star Wars room when you were there or not? I don't think they did. Well, I'm trying to remember now. It was next to the Merlin bicycle thing. Did they have that? They have the Merlin bicycle the Merlin. ride. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, they had that. They had that. Yeah, right next to the Merlin bicycle thing was a Star Wars. Room. I think they've added that since. And apparently, it's a rot- it's a changing exhibit. Oh yeah, so that would explain why. This yeah. one is all Attack of the Clones. So it's it's all stuff from Attack of the Clones. All of the exhibits, all the pieces, all the things they built. But man, they they built the Geonosis Battle Arena, mm. and it's full of Geonosians, <laughs> little <laughs> tiny Lego Geonosians. They, uh, uh, I wonder if they renovated one of the rooms that was just have. a bunch of different buildings that had random figures in it. Was it that room have. there? Yeah. Uh, well, they still had the, the downtown Kansas City room. Yeah. Okay. Which is maybe probably that's probably my I was favorite uh, because it was it was you know you know you go into any Lego thing and they've got hey look here's that building well they've got an entire room that looks like downtown Kansas City and it's it all lights so up the, the lighting changes at night and all this kind of stuff. Then. But they had Arrowhead and Kaufman and then, you know, the downtown and all this kind of stuff. It was, it was great. There was a play area that Katrina was all excited. It was, it's one of those that, man, as a kid, this would have been awesome. This oh, was yeah. huge. This was a big play area with ladders it's and things. bunker and, size. 
uh, was too big because she got lost inside the thing <laughs> and we couldn't see where she was. Parent of the year right here. Couldn't see where she was at. And of course, all the other kids are, ah! and she's probably too small to have really gone in there. But once she went in, man, we, there was no keeping track of her. So, well, it's not like you could go in and follow her. Well, she got in there and then got stuck on one of the upper levels and couldn't quite, they had the stair step things that kind of went down. She couldn't quite figure out how to lower herself down on that platform to get back. So she had to come all the way back around to get out. <laughs> and there were, you know, 4D movies that they spit on you and did all that. Oh, yeah, that was fun. That, yeah. Just, I, it was just, it was just a blast. And I think Mason would probably really Mason like would it. love it. Caitlin, maybe, maybe not. She might be a little beyond that now, but I loved it because I love Lego. Um, and they, they, I think the average time they tell you is like, yeah, about two, three hours. We spent four and a half. I mean, just, and then there was more, and, you know, they had a platform where you could build buildings and then push a button and the platform would do this. And the idea is you have to make them earthquake proof, <laughs> you know, so That's the platform clever. would shake and everything. And Billy built this edifice that man, I finally had to go and push it over. To knock it <laughs> I tried. I really tried. See, I think that's why I think Audie would appreciate it now is he wasn't into the building stuff aspects of it. He just wanted to keep riding the gun. <laughs> uh, we did it twice. I mean, well, we really liked We it. did it like seven times. Because Rachel is screaming at our podcast right now, I thought I'd better bring this up. Was the Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin there when you went to Disney World? No. Okay. This is a little bit... In the vein that you, you were talking about, and I think similar to this Lego game, Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin is essentially you get into a car, and the best I could describe this is a shooting gallery me, uh, melded with a uh, dark ray. You get into this okay, car, yeah, which, yeah, is, exactly. which is your spaceship, yeah. and it has a gun mounted on the dash. And what happens is you ride into various areas within this ride, and basically what it is is it's a shooting gallery. And this is all animatronics. And there's you've got a laser gun, and it, the laser when you hit a small target, round target that actually looks like a little dartboard target, when you hit those, it scores points on yeah. your on the face of your thing. And so you continue to shoot this. And the idea is that this is the world of Buzz Lightyear. Um, it's still a bit of a, a toy esque atmosphere, but you're in the Space Ranger world, and you're a Space Ranger. And this these cars, what they do is they go in straight, and then they turn. To the left, completely, you know, 90 degree turn. And as the car is moving, you have X amount of time as you're driving by this thing to shoot as many targets in this one as you can. That sounds and exactly what it does like what this is it like. turns 180 degrees at this point, and now you're shooting at targets over here. And the idea is try to amass as many points as you could possibly do. Right. Now, this entire ride is animatronics, and it's beautiful. There's a lot of black lighting because it's that Space Ranger world, glow in the dark. And as you walk into the building in the queue, you've got Buzz Lightyear standing up there, full size, you know, six foot Buzz Lightyear. And he has the wonderful, which they do now at Disney, an animated face. So the animation oh. is projected on the face, so it makes his face look real, but yet cartoon-like. And huh. as he talks to you and he's introducing the, the story and what's what's going to happen, and he's welcoming the new recruits and whatnot. And there's these big, you know, giant batteries in the wall, which is really cool. <laughs> you go through that and you try to amass as much of a, a points as you want. Well, they won up that years later over at Disney MGM. Which is now, excuse me, Disney Hollywood Studios. It's no longer Disney MGM. Disney Hollywood Studios, they did one in the Toy Story uh, vein. And it's Toy Story Mania. But they upped the gambit because what they did is they made this a dark ride gallery shooting game 3D. 
So oh. you put 3D glasses on now, and you go in, and there's no longer... Now, I believe it's still done based on a laser system, but when yeah. you go in there, it's movie projected, but it's in three dimensions because you're looking at it through the glasses, which makes the experience even a thousand times better because things are actually flying back at you as you're shooting things. And it's a little more circus gallery type stuff. Everything is, is themed in the Toy Story, and you're shooting at toys. In effect, as you shoot the gun, you see balls pop out. Oh, of, of your oh so it's like the Toy Story two Zerg thing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So your balls are so balls are shooting out of this gun, and you're it's trying like to hit targets as you go. And it's, it's completely three D interactive video game, and it is a blast. And so Disney has finally got to that far where they're doing those two types of rides. Seem to the work at Disney. The last <laughs> thing that I should mention is you can now buy, which Toy Story Mania is what the one is called at the park. You can now buy a video game for the 360 and the PlayStation called Toy Story Mania, and it is the same concept. You're going and you're oh. shooting. Now it's not in 3D, unfortunately. <laughs> well, and, but I think you can do. I think you can do it with Connect um, as well and, and PlayStation Move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you can do it. We have never tried it that way, but we bought it immediately after we got back from the parks because oh, we yeah, loved it. Now it doesn't have the same immersion good. feeling because right. you're not in the car going around. But uh, there's a chance to get a taste of it of what you're to expect. Well, and the theming the is part of it. That, yeah, that, that, when, 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 when you go, when you go to an yeah. amusement park and you're walking through and everything is themed yes. in the queue, getting up to that's what I enjoy is that you really have now set me in. A, when I, I wrote King Kong things. at Universal, I was terrified because you're in the subway and the, 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 the Roosevelt tram station and you can hear the news reports and the monster in the background screaming and every now and then things go <laughs> and shake and dust yeah. falls from the ceiling. And they really put you in that mindset so that when you get on that cable car, you're like, oh, man. <laughs> now, you're only one story off the ground, but it's pitch black and you're looking at rooftops and you believe that you're in New York and that you're getting, you know... I love stuff like that where they really sell it to you. And some rides do it phenomenally well, and some really don't. <laughs> I wish that they would get on the same page with that. But well, unfortunately, some rides don't have the money to do them. Yeah. Well, then you shouldn't do it. Hopefully, hopefully, Rachel can calm down now. I've addressed it for you. You're welcome. I still had the idea first, Rachel. I'm, well, I'm sorry. No, I was... and, and I don't think Buzz Lightyear's... Um, first time we rode that was the first time we went to Disney World in 2000. Oh, well, Toy Story didn't even come out until 93. Yeah, 2008. So, but, it, but it wasn't long after that. And it's in Tomorrowland in the Magic Kingdom. That particular ride is. The Toy Story Mania thing, I think, is less than five years old. I think it's brand yeah, new. It's, it's, so it's, all it's, of this did come after you had come up with the idea. So Credit where credit is due. Yes. <laughs> I have yet to see a, a residuals check. Anyway, um, if you just a little tip: if you're going to go to to Legoland, um, buy your tickets online because they offer you a pretty substantial discount if you buy them 24 hours in advance versus what the uh, at the door price is. And then you can also get a combo ticket for the Sea World Aquarium or Sea Life Aquarium yes. that's next door, which I went ahead and well, if we're going, we'll go. Right. Well, we spent so much time at Legoland that we didn't get the opportunity to go to the aquarium. But the, t- the aquarium tickets are good for like two weeks. After the purchase date. Oh, nice. So I'll just sell Mel down to take her back to the. You told us about the combo pack. You didn't do the combo pack, but you told us about the combo pack um, months back. So we've got tickets for the aquarium, which, of course, now I'm going to be working in. School will be starting, so I won't have time to go to the aquarium. So I'll send Mel with Katrina and somebody else. I looked online, and they're doing an Avengers Age of Ultron day in May Mm. at Legoland. And a Jurassic World. Oh, I didn't see the Jurassic World. Yeah. They, they, have, they have days scheduled all the way through the end of the year. I think I'll Including Star Wars stuff. So. Yeah, and, and they're going to do it, like you said, a week. I think and their website I, I said I had the pamphlet sitting out here still. It's sometime in uh, date in November. 
also. But then we uh, we went over and ate at Fritz's over to because uh, Katrina's got this. That's big, the one with the train that comes. She's around. got this big train thing going on right now, so she was a little disappointed that we didn't eat on a train, <laughs> but was still pretty wowed by the train that dropped the food off and that kind of stuff. And, I don't think uh, I've ever been there. The food's like it's steak burgers. I mean, it's you know, the fries are really disappointing. Get the rings or the the fried mushrooms are really good, um, but they're steak burgers. But this, the atmosphere—that's what you go for because it's, it's literally a track system with a train, and they put the food on a on a cart, and the train pulls it around the room. And there's little stanchions at each table, and this bar goes tink and sticks out. And as the train rides past, your food hits that bar and drops onto another tray, and then it lowers from the ceiling to your table. <laughs> and it's all automated. That's cool. They make it in the kitchen. They put it on the train. The train knows where it's going. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty. And there's a phone. There's a phone at your at your table, and that's, that's how you, you phone order. in your order. It's really kind of cool. It's all atmosphere. But she she thought that was pretty neat. And then uh, because we were at uh, at uh, Crown Center, we went walking around and basically hit all of the spots that my mom took me and my brother to when we were kids. Because that was kind of one of those things that you could spend a day at Crown Center and yeah. just wander. Oh, yeah. Because you know, there was always something going on well, in addition you, to the shopping. If you go in the winter, you can ice skate in the uh, fountain, too. But, but, well, we did, we, did the, we did the cheap tour. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up poor, uh, the cheap tour of Crown Center includes going over to the Westin and riding the glass elevator to the top floor of the hotel and back down. Because that's free. You don't got to pay for that. Right. Well, as kids, you'd love that. <laughs> and that's she, awesome. she was... You know, like the, um, she loved that the, the atrium at the Westin, which is a beautiful indoor plants and a waterfall and everything. She loved that. Uh, went into the link, just the fact that it's this big glass, you know, yeah, elevator. She loved neat. that. Yeah. yeah, we just did all that kind of stuff, and you know, I, I just—it's one of those things that it's a fond memory of mine. That every time we were in Kansas City, Mom would we would go to Crown Center and do this kind of stuff. So I took and Katrina just you know ate it up just like I did, and it was just that really kind of. One piece of housekeeping here for anybody who wants to know. It's Who's Afraid of the Song of the South and Other Forbidden Disney Stories. And it's by Jim Corcus, who has for, written for several. Bidden, forbidden for Disney Bidden Stories. stories. And it's it written sound, by it sounds very salacious. Jim Corcus is the author. Shall we move on to news? Please. <laughs> uh, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, maybe? was it, Or was it just last week? Um... <laughs> I think we talked about it last week. Once upon a time in the long, long I think ago. It was just However last week. long ago, this this controversy of oh no, Netflix is dropping Doctor Who seems to have been going on forever. Oh, that was that was last week. I think we talked about uh, that. It's no longer the case. We think. Uh, according to, I, I checked my Netflix. And it's 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 gone it's, from it, there now. The, okay. Until the reason I gone. reason I say and it worried me too because, because first Variety, that, which reported this first, is a very reputable industry magazine or newspaper or whatever you want to consider it trade magazine it's very reputable and so i couldn't doubt this but then as i i waited for this story to break everybody kept sourcing variety which is dangerous because if you're just sourcing one source sometimes that one source can be fallible and if that's fallible anybody sourcing that source is fallible yeah and so the information is fallible i should say um, so I kept waiting for somebody besides Variety to confirm or verify this information, and I've, I've dropped off looking the last few days, but hadn't up until Thursday or Friday seen anybody else reporting this. Yeah, when I saw the the news, I hopped on Netflix and was like, what, is that actually the case? And yeah, uh, when I looked the first time, just the new series dropped the date, and Classic did, still had it. I was like, oh no, but now... 
it's all dropped off. Uh, there are still some shows that are going to expire. Uh, Jekyll, Coupling, according to my list, and Hyperdrive are the only ones that are going to drop off that I had in my list. There are, of course, others that... Which um, tells me that Hulu's contract, as I was touting a week ago, it wasn't as watertight as I suspected it was. <laughs> or at least not as exclusive as we yeah, thought maybe and it was. And number two... Well, and maybe the titles that are going were the exclusivity exclusivity cause clause, or number two, Hulu realized that there were a certain number of properties that still remained valuable for them, but let go of the other ones that maybe didn't have the viewing numbers. Yeah, and it's hard telling for sure because they're not going to say. That being said, I, I I balked at the people that were starting the petitions to rally to get behind and tell Netflix to keep it. I now commend you all because that may have. It I'm not saying it, it did, but it may have yeah. um, weighed in that decision to keep it or to re-up their contracts. Which now tells me that Netflix just waits to hear from its customers to see who cries the loudest <laughs> to decide what they're going to keep. Oh. Which is fine, because oh. that's listening to your customer base. Or it's entirely possible that it was just a contract thing, and they had to give notice, and they were still working on it regardless of fans. And that's possible as well, you're right. I kind of, when I saw it pop up, I'd like to think they listened to their customer base. Yeah, I'd like base, to think they would too, but I, still, I never fully believed it would drop away. Up. Especially since Series 12 had, or Series 12, 12 Doctor, Series 8 hadn't hit the yeah. Netflix yet. So. Which I think is funny. The Variety <laughs> used a picture from Deep Breath. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> One of the episodes that's not on Netflix. Uh, other news. John Barrowman has said Torchwood is coming back in an audio form. Uh, speaking at a 2015 press tour hosted by the Television Critics Association, uh, he's indicated that there are plans afoot to produce several BBC audio dramas based on the series. Uh, his sister and him are discussing the possibility of writing one of them. So, keep an eye out for that. Good chance we might be getting a little bit more Torchwood. And that reminded me of something that I added late to the news this week. Um, I was actually watching the Adipose TV, which, uh, as we've talked about before, they do a Doctor Who Legacy segment on there. And they actually had Lee Cummings on this week. and uh, Or this is recent because I don't always watch the day that it's, it goes live. I often go to the YouTube page and catch up. But I think this was the most recent episode that, that uh, he had posted to YouTube. And I was listening in as I was playing Doctor Who Legacy, and he was interviewing Lee, and Lee was talking about some things and projects that they had in the works. One of the projects that he mentioned but couldn't talk too much about because they were still in negotiations was a Torchwood, and I gathered from the conversation, this wasn't said explicitly, but I gathered from the conversation that it would also be a gym-style game, much in the vein of Doctor Who Legacy. So Torchwood would basically have its own game. It wouldn't be within Doctor Who Legacy, which makes sense. It would have its own game. It would be pay-for-play, though. It would not be a free game. You would pay a premium price in order to buy the game. But what that would mean is there would probably not be a lot of in-app purchases like there is in Doctor Who Legacy, because that's what supports Doctor Who Legacy financially, is your in-app purchases. Um, But it sounds like they're working with the BBC in order to do a Torchwood game. And he really kind of reassured um, Addy, and then I'm going to refer to Addy as Addy because I can't remember his real name, but that's what they call him on Adipose TV. <laughs> he reassured Addy that he, they weren't going to, tr- they, were, they were doing their hardest to not 
divert attention from Doctor Who Legacy, to uh, keep it yeah. as strong and going as well as it did, even though this is a premium game, uh, the, the Torchwood game is, would be a premium game, that they would try not to divide their attention so as to take any emphasis off of Doctor Who Legacy, because he announced there was a lot of things still coming for Doctor Who Legacy, mm-hmm. a lot of exciting things that he talked about on there. Um, but it sounds like that Torchwood will possibly get its own Legacy-style game, on uh, the uh, well, it makes sense that it's on a free version because it's uh, as great as Torchwood is. It's not currently on the air, so yeah. there's not as big of a fan base as there is for Who. I think what it does too is we all know that uh, Torchwood, although I think it tamed itself down sexually in the later seasons, it is geared towards is, a more yeah, mature it's audience. A post-watershed show. It is a post-watershed show, and so I think what this allows them to do by co- making it a premium game is it allows them to put a little more dark and mature content within it because not just any kid can grab it and download it. It would have to be paid for, most generally with a credit card, although we all know if you have a, you go buy a Google Play or an App Store yeah. card from Apple, you can buy these games that way as well. But you would have to at least have some way to purchase the uh, game, and they could put, at that point, if it's a purchase game, they can put mature content within a game um, and, and label it as such. So mm-hmm. it gives them the opportunity to put it in the same theme Keep as... truer to the show. Exactly, yeah. as Torchwood is on the, on the airwaves. Hmm. Interesting. Very and interesting. So I thought I'd drop that little information. Sometimes Lee starts talking, and, 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 I, and I hear him say things, in these, in these, it's basically a chat because what happens is Addy plays the game, and uh, basically talks to Lee about strategies and what's coming up, and, and so there's a conversation going on within this, and there's a chat room. If anybody's been to um, Twitch, which is a gaming channel, essentially you go there and you can watch. I say essentially a lot. I heard myself saying that all the time, and it bugs me. I mean, resolution is not to say essentially as much anymore. You guys call me every time I say essentially. Hey. Those were three. <laughs> okay. Uh, but basically... <laughs> we need to get the Zerg guns. <laughs> this was... Uh, he, he has these conversations <laughs> during <laughs> while all of this is going on. And sometimes I sit there and go, what if we meant to drop that much information? <laughs> and, and, and his wife Susan's on there quite frequently. And sometimes they're on together. So. Yeah. Lee, I, I, he is a wonderful individual and a talker. He is. And a fan. I will, <laughs> I will, I will again plug the Adipose TV on Twitch. You can find his YouTube tw- channel just by searching YouTube going to the Adipose TV. He also plays other games, so Doctor Who Legacy is just a small piece of what he does on a full scale. And um, what a lot of gamers are doing now is they are recording as they play games. Some of them add strategies, some talk about just adventures they're doing. They have what's called Let's Plays, and Let's Plays are you basic, basically, yeah, it's not, that's not essentially, it's basically <laughs> watching uh, them play a game and them kind of commentating as they go. So that's if in a nutshell, what Twitch TV is. It's kind of the idea that they've tried to utilize in PlayStation 4, but not fully succeeded yet. There's that. <laughs> Sounds neat. <laughs> kind of like that. No, uh, PlayStation 4, but not succeeded yet. They, there's a share button on the controller where you can share up uh, screen caps and videos that you've made. And uh, uh, As far as I'm okay. aware, you can actually watch other people play their games. And the idea is at one point, at some point, you, if, without even owning the game, hop into a friend's game and help them out on a certain level. Yeah. So I, I have not having a PlayStation Four. I don't know how much of it's implemented, but hmm. it's a very similar idea. I tell these. I tell you these. Um, 
essentially. I, I quite, <laughs> I quite enjoy these uh, commentary uh, videos within games where gamers are just essentially. <laughs> Couldn't even fight it. Uh, are right. are right. doing this. <laughs> Uh, play along as they're recording what they're doing, and these are very popular now with, on YouTube, especially for kids. And I talked a little bit about Stampy Long Nose and how he does his Minecraft oh, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Kids are huge fans. The one detriment to my kids watching these now is they take their tablets into their rooms and they start playing their own games, and you hear them commentating to it as they're playing. <laughs> and I think, you know what? If I just could hook you up to a video game system, we could make millions on YouTube. <laughs> or on a, uh, a recording system, we could make millions on YouTube. It drives me nuts, because I'll be in the living room doing something, and I'll hear from their rooms them talking about what they're doing in games, and I think, you never would have done this had you not started watching these videos. They, 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 they just talk. Yeah, it's like they're... Well, I mean, they're, they're not talking to each other. No, they're, they're just, talking... They're just, no, they're just narrating what they're doing? Yeah, Caitlin's in her room. Mason's in his own room. They're talking about what they're doing in the video games as though they have an audience. See, it's I do that amazing. all the time, but it's never with a video game. Well, let's hook that up. <laughs> we'll make millions on a different What is it with? Just, I interview myself on the way to work. I apparently really like the sound of my own voice. I don't know. <laughs> you know, and I'm being serious. I'm not being facetious here. You might not consider a video blog. Because if you can do that naturally, there's a market for that out there. I just can't do it with anybody important in the room. That's if you just got a video <laughs> camera a and you still have in that in your head that you're doing it on your own. There's a market for that yeah, on YouTube there is. right now. Hmm. Wait here, I'll be back. <laughs> well, we're right, going toward this. Notes. We're interviewing ourselves. Here's <laughs> uh, what we did this week. You know, that's a that's kind of a niche on television now. You'll find that um, Howard Stern and oh uh, yeah, he's done. His radio show yeah. live Lyman, for years. Yeah. Rush Limbaugh, they're all now doing their radio station, the radio shows, with a visual camera in the room. Why aren't we doing that? Bill O'Reilly? They're doing it now. Wasn't that? Did O'Reilly do that so when he was doing 90s. radio? Mike Savage did that, I know. Unfortunately, the majority of them are conservative, conservative yeah. no, not, radio not, commentators, which I can't listen to. Not O'Reilly. The one that really went off the deep end. Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck did that. You're right. He did. He had one as well. Well, here's an interesting <laughs> bit of news, which we brought to you last week that RTD said he wouldn't come back and write for the show, has now said he'd write a movie, a Doctor Who movie. I I, I don't have much context for this quote. I haven't gone and watched the BBC Two ra- or BBC Radio Two interview. He said, "I think it should be in the cinemas immediately." It would be glorious. Imagine queuing up at the cinema to go see a Doctor Who film. And he asked, asked if he would write it. He said, yes, please, if we get lawyers and contracts flying now. You know, I would do that because I think there's a big leap to be made. It's kind of interesting that all that David Yates talk of a movie and now <laughs> RTD's on board. It just makes you wonder if maybe there was, for, for, for all of his, you know, O'Moffat invites me back every, every year and I, I tell him no, blah, blah, blah. Maybe there's that one story that's still rattling around in his head. And it would be a great movie. But he knew he'd never be able to afford it, couldn't yeah. tell it. Just it, it's, it's, it's unfilmable on television. And then somebody asked him this, and he went, yeah, because he's already got the idea. <laughs> yeah, very well could be. Part of me also wonders if he, because th- this has been in circulation longer before RTD sort of brought it out there in audio form or in an interview form. 
This has been circulating for months about RTD writing a Doctor Who film to go. Oh, I haven't heard about it. Since, yeah. Even since the the Yates concept of, of wanting to do it, and there's, I think there's, I think there must be traction behind the scenes. I don't know how much they've gotten, but for him to come out now and and kind of postulate that, I wonder if that means that it's kind of maybe elevated to a certain level where RTD sees that it's possible that yeah. it, it could be in the future and so he's kind of maybe testing the water a little bit by putting it out seeing there and how seeing what react. the reaction yeah. is so that the BBC then in turn sees what the reaction is or whoever would back this particular film and and I wonder if this is just part one step in gaining more traction on, on, on a project or an idea if you're a uh conspiracy nut you could even go the other direction with that and say that maybe the reason his comment is if the lawyers can you know contracts can be signed like maybe this is already not only attraction but is, is is in works and that there's been some legal red tape that has made him pause <laughs> i don't know spoken by our uh, conspiracy nut in residency <laughs> The film will be announced uh, with a trailer on Easter Saturday. <laughs> wow! Not only, not, not only written, filmed, filmed. I have all the whole trailer. The whole thing has been done in secret on the dark side of the moon. <laughs> you realize anything you attach to the words Easter Saturday, I will never dispute again. So yeah, <laughs> that's why he does it every time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I have one horse, <laughs> and I bet on that horse, and it won once, and I will continue to bet on that horse until the end of time. But from what I know about horses, horses, if you ride them too long, eventually they will die. Oh, yeah. I think mine's already dead. I'm, I'm waiting for your horse to die. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's... It's on its last leg if it's still around. I'm, I'm but pretty sure who's I, not maybe going I'm, back to Maybe Saturday I'm waiting Easter. for there to only be skeletal remains. <laughs> I'm hedging my bets. The horse is stuffed. <laughs> and he's put rollers on it so <laughs> they continue to push And a motor. <laughs> I, I put the track up on a brick, pushed it down the hill, and I beat that snot nosed kid with his Pinewood Derby car. When this horse reaches 88 miles an hour, you're going to see some serious. Anybody disappointed that when Back to the Future 3 came out and he didn't have a flux capacitor on the horse? <laughs> it's a western, right? There's got, no? Okay. Just me. Uh, series 9 is filming now. And as a reminder, please don't send us spoilers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. sad that we have to remind people of that. And nobody, has, come to and, that and nobody has. Everybody's done a great job. Uh, and we've I've seen some casting announcements and... Uh, while some people I recognize, not enough that I feel are worth mentioning on the show yet. I tell you, Doctor Who fandom as a whole is really, really good about controlling the spoilers within the community. Yeah. And so it goes to say that even a smaller community such as our own loyal fan base, it's, it speaks mounds that, that we all kind of adhere to that group mentality, that, that, that overall fan community mentality that, yeah, you know what, we don't want to spoil it for other people. And so um, it's a way I almost kind of think, do we really need to ask? But it is always good to it put is, it out there because with reminder. new listeners, I wanted to recognize know. that right. Series 9 is filming, and we are not ignorant of that fact. <laughs> <laughs> Although, did you see the title of the second episode? I did not. Did you want to know? 
No. <laughs> There's no title. I, I did see that Toby Woodhouse is coming it. back, which is kind of cool. Well, there are things that you, you can quantify as a, a, a behind-the-scenes piece of information that, oh, we got this director back, or, yeah. the, you know... The, you can give me the title of an episode unless there's of the Daleks in it <laughs> or silver. I, those two I would probably stay away from. But anything return of so and so I would probably say no. Nah, I don't want to know. Um, I'll call Keith out a little bit. I'm going to embarrass you here, but uh, Sean was talking about. I think is when we talked about the episode title for the first episode being out and released. And you had said we've never, we've never withheld titles of episodes or considered them spoilers. Well, yeah. you, you you sort of alluded to that, and I got to digging in the recesses of my brain. But we did withhold with at least on our show, we did withhold episode titles for series eight. Yeah, I think quite frequently until until, the, until like, they were very close, or there was just so much information out there that we couldn't help but talk, have to talk about them yeah. on the show. So yeah, what I you said was true to a certain to degree. Extent, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Well, like, I mean, like it, if the, the BBC announced titles, uh, there, were, there were a lot of that, ones. You're absolutely yeah, there right. There were a lot when of the, ones when that the were BBC just verified speculation or, or announced titles with that we didn't that go near. We think the new Dale Gaiman episode is going to be called this. It's like, I'm not going to talk yeah, about it. That. Now, yeah. Once it's posted in Radio Times, the new Nail Gaiman episode, and this is... And Sorcerer's Apprentice, or uh, Magician's, Magician's Apprentice. Apprentice. Well, that was on the does, end of the... Yeah, does fall within yeah. that particular because guideline. I yeah. think it wasn't even until really close to Series 8 or mid-Series 8 that we found out the names of the finales. That's right. It was right before. Because while we (laughs) had information on some of that stuff, because we had the necessity of us pairing up some of the projects we were doing, uh, we still were very hush-hush about what that was until it was really qualified yeah, out there in the was public. A, a, which is kind of weird when you think about it, but there was a, a, a very big sense of paranoia amongst the three of us going into <laughs> season eight for some reason. Well, we were a bit uh, trepidatious because we had a new doctor. Well, and we it was a longer a new, stretch of episodes than we dealt with before. Yeah, right, that's true, too. Because, because it's yeah, a lot easier to do it, scheduling it, in small was, chunks. When it was it six episodes, we knew how long they what the episode titles were. We knew well what the end game was. Yeah, we knew yeah exactly. Going. But at any rate, um, that also obviously extends to our other uh, media forms. Um, you know, if, if you would be so kind to do not post it on the Twitter, Facebook page where somebody YouTube. might stumble across it and go, oh, man, I didn't want to know that, or Twitter or YouTube. or That uh, being said, there are so many people that are, are um, immersed in this community, in this fan community, that there occasionally are people that don't necessarily listen to the show, that do frequent uh, pages or websites or things like that, yeah. and there is that chance that it'll be out there. And what we're doing is we're discouraging that, but we want to be realistic in the fact that there's a possibility that things like this could slip through. Sure. We're asking people not to do it, but we're we don't jump down us, <laughs> don't jump down <laughs> our throats if you see that happen, yeah. because there is every once in a while that that stray fan that that comes across us from a different avenue or a different. We have three hundred some likes on our three hundred forty some likes on our uh, yeah. fan, uh, Facebook page. I, I I can guarantee not every one of those people are listeners of this show. So it's I don't true. listen. <laughs> I know. I like their page, but I don't listen. <laughs> I know. You know how I know? Because I always put little things in the show to see if you notice, and you never say anything about them. So 
I'm just going to continue to do that. It's, it's also Sean, so he could have noticed it and forgot. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Maybe I forgot that I listened to it. <laughs> but if you would like, if you were listening to us right well, just now. Just like you remember to show up on recording. <laughs> well, I live here. That's helped a lot. <laughs> if you would like to, uh, if you're listening to us now and, and, and have not yet followed us on Facebook and would like to do so, we would very much like for you to like us on Facebook. Yeah, we're on. We would like for you to like us. We are on a campaign. It's kind of a silent campaign, but we're oh, on a campaign okay. for 500 likes. And we'd that's like our, to reach our that next, goal. Our next goal. So, if, in fact, we'll put it right out there now. If you know somebody that's a Doctor Who fan and you think they would like us, then have them like us <laughs> on the Facebook page. We're, we're shooting for 500 right now. So, Kurt, you got a whole slew of new volunteers for <laughs> I think that's where we got a good chunk of them last time. So. Yeah. You want to pass Kirk, the word Kirk, Kirk has been very instrumental in, in the, the initial push toward that. I guess we're going to try for that number now. Um, but, you know, the best thing about liking us on Facebook is that it's free. Yes, it right. costs you nothing. It costs you nothing. And we will only annoy you slightly until school's over with and I can start posting We don't more. charge people for any part of any avenue nope. of our little venture here. You're right. The podcast yeah. If you is have free. speakers and a computer, you can listen yeah. to the podcast. You don't have to have a device to listen to it on. The podcast is free. Twitter is free. Facebook's free. We don't charge you on our website. The only thing we do is solicit <laughs> funds from you, but you get something for those funds, yes. you know? It's... Which is in the final stages of preparation. Yeah, just within Patreon. I was within actually Patreon. referring to our retail outlets. Oh, yeah. We could do that, too. But you get something for that, too. That's I mean, what I'm saying. You yeah. get something yeah. for everything, even the Patreon. Even uh, the Patreon right now. Something. It may not be the same thing. It may not be as big as the first subscribers, but or supporters, I should say. Not everybody subscribes. So, you know, not everyone's a Patreon subscriber. Um, some people are just simply Patreon supporters, and we appreciate all of you. Absolutely. Uh, one last bit of news, Sean. Oh, you're going to make me do it. You're going going. <laughs> You're the keeper of the galley you, news. You, you, you haven't won the lottery yet. Yeah, huh? I'm still waiting. Remind me. I'm, I'm going to say this on <laughs> on show. Remind me to ask you something off show that I forgot to ask you last week. You did have something. Yeah. You you reminded us. Well, I think you for, you didn't remember either. I didn't remember last because I think didn't you say wasn't there something? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember. What you couldn't remember. This. Do you have it written down? Take a nope. note. That's all right. Well, <laughs> steel trap. <laughs> rusted Sid. <laughs> no, no, rusted Sid is over there. Rusted Still shot. trap here. Mine just happens to be rusted. Um, Galley has announced uh, a couple more uh, guests are coming. Andrew Cartmel, uh, who is a script editor with the Cartmel Master Plan, and yes. this was from Interesting article I saw just recently about why uh, fans of Doctor Who should be all over Sylvester McCoy's Doctor because he's so I much closer in tone to current series. Uh, incarnations. I thought it was a really interesting article. I don't remember where I saw it or posted it. It must have been on Facebook, I guess. Um, but, um, I didn't get to read all of it, but it was a, I thought of you, actually. It's like, oh, look at all these people that are liking Sylvester now. Um, and, in addition to Andrew Cartmel, Nakomori, who played... Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? She was Tosh. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you <laughs> it were, was right you there. Right on there. The, yeah, I, was, I was getting there. So, so Tosh and Tor- which now means this is a complete uh, uh, deck of cards, if you will, from Torchwood, at least the, uh, the the proper British version, because we've got John Barman, we've got Eve Miles, we've got uh, Nakamori, and we've got uh, uh, Burn Gorman. So, so Captain Jack and Tosh and uh, 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 Gwen. And 
Kai is Owen. not going to be there. I could not remember Owen's name. Kai, unfortunately, yeah, he 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 did have to back out, so it's almost a complete set. Um, but it's the four main principles. Um, what is Owen's name? Kai Owen. Kai, no, uh, what's the guy who plays Owen? Burn. 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 Yeah. yeah. Burn Gorman. Couldn't remember his name. You who? probably even just said it, and I couldn't remember. Uh, uh, I would, uh, he's he's becoming one of those people that I would be hard pressed to figure out what I would want to have him autograph because he's been in so much, you know. Other yeah, he's geek been a lot stuff. Of stuff. He was in Batman yeah, for Pete's Batman, sake. Batman Dark. Uh, well, he was in Dark uh, Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. He was in. Uh, he's in Game of, Thrones, Game of Thrones, and he was in uh, Torchwood. That's the only things that I know. He of just him. showed up recently in something else that I was watching, and, and uh, I mean, it was another kind of walk-in role. But we went, oh man, look, there's there's Burn, there's Burn. So is that short for Bernard? You think? It's B U R N. So I don't think so. Oh, I thought it was B E R N. He was in Pacific Rim. Pacific. Oh, well, yeah, no, I knew that one. So you're right. He was in Pacific Rim. What was the most recent thing? Uh, maybe it was another TV show that I watched. Anyway, his filmography is um, impressive. Parsing itself Arrow or something. Episode. I don't know. So yeah, I don't. Was he on Arrow? No, no I don't think so. Alexander, the terrible, horrible, no good, very I bad day. I, I didn't see that one, but that's cool that he's in there. I want to see that. My kids want to see that really, but I want to see it. Uh, any more galley guests? Not at the moment. Shall we move on to feedback? We shall. First up in feedback is Mish. Hey guys. Uh, she, her subject line is a question about legacy. Does Mish now go by Mish and not Michelle? Yep. Mish. I did not know that. Sorry, hey Michelle, you will always be Michelle for me. <laughs> <laughs> Quick question about Doctor Who Legacy. I recently finished Chapter 3 and moved on to Chapter 4. For the most part, was able to get through the f- levels with only a little bit of difficulty. However, I am now on a tough, a rough landing part two, and I'm having a lot of trouble beating it. Any tips you can offer me regarding what abilities slash characters to bring in to beat to beat it would be much appreciated. Thanks. I'm probably the only one qualified. Mitch, we're gonna uh, <laughs> we're gonna turn that legacy question over to our resident expert and furthest along member, <laughs> uh, which is Glenn, because I, I am still not yet through chapter four. Uh, I, I I stalled out in the middle of uh, uh, well, what what is chapter for Greyhound one? But it's, it's chapter three. Well, I see. I'm, I'm not in the middle of chapter three. I'm at the almost end of chapter three, but it's the middle of Greyhound one, and stalled out and had to go and build up some more, I'm farming again, building up some more fragments to level up some more people. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I stalled and I was frustrated again because it's like, oh, I was on such a good clip. But <laughs> Glenn is, is pulling his up now so that he well, can... Uh, Mish, L, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to do both. So that, okay. uh, to be fair, um, I came ill-prepared because this feedback actually came in at 9.45 Sunday night, which is just a few hours prior to us recording, and so I didn't get to go back and do too much research. I'm trying to pull my legacy up now so that, that. I can, so that I can go. No, it's my fault. Um, because when this email came in, it's not I was asleep. You were asleep. <laughs> I took a nap tonight before the podcast. Um, I'm afraid I'm not going to be a lot of help. And the reason I'll say that is because I think I, by dumb luck, finished this. It was one of those situations where I had a level 50 team all the way across the board, and I got the gems that I really needed to get in there to knock this one out. What I'm going to do here, if this thing would load, is maybe try to give you the team that I was using at the time. Unfortunately, I have revamped and rearranged my teams, so this team may be fragmented at this point. So I may have to do some of this from memory. Oh, login bonus. I'll take take that. that. (laughs) 
Sorry, oh, I got to pass my login. By, by, by the here. way, side note to Doctor Who Legacy. You guys need to not change the daylight savings times because I used to be able to log in all the way up to <laughs> three in the morning to get my login bonus, and then you touched over to daylight now savings, and now it's an hour late, and I missed it, and I've missed two pink ones and a bunch of time crystals and all kinds of oh, other stuff. Oh yeah, so mine just resets. Do you I have to change her, the uh, clock back? Uh, email up again so I can. She can, you can a remember. rough landing part two. Part two. So there's one more. Two. You're almost there, Mish, for the. Uh, what we've got in the prologue here. Um, there's only one more after that. I don't know if you wanted to know that, but now I told you. Uh, oh, gosh. Yeah, my, my teams are fragmented. Oh, no. This is them. This is what I used. Now, I have no recommendations for you, you based on this team. You Santa? Yeah, I've got Santa. Santa is a level 50. You know why? Because he resets the board. Already? And, yeah. Well, <laughs> here's what happened, Sean. Is we just I, got Santa. I was playing with Santa Some because, okay, I'm Mr. Christmas and it's Santa, okay? So uh, I was playing yeah, with Santa a lot. And known. he just happened to be on my team when I was leveling up another character, which I think was Rory. This interior, Well, he's in his century not fit on here. But when I was leveling up Rory for another level that I was trying to defeat, I had Santa on the team. And lo and behold, by the time I got him up to 40, I realized, oh, we're ready for two gems on Santa. And so I went ahead and leveled Santa up as well, because at the time I had enough time fragments. So he managed to get up to 50, which in turn helped me because I got... Yeah, I have no crystals left, no. Well, I told you what happens is when I, go, when I would go back and I would play... Uh, I'm going to diverge you in a little bit, so i got to explain Sean. Uh, when I go back and play to, to drop rares... What will happen is if I get oh, most of the way yeah, through a game, yeah. I, I call that buying the character. You're buying the character. Because what happens yeah. is if I have dropped that character and it's a rare drop and I'm about to die or I do die, I go ahead and play the crystal to play on because I need that. I want that character. I don't want to go back through that, that level sure. 70 and, more and, times and, 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 and I I drop that. it. So what happens is I eat through all of my crystals and they're gone. I, so, didn't, I didn't realize yeah. you were... And that's really... The, I don't, I don't, I, what I avoid doing is getting... A new level that I have that I haven't played, or it, it, something new where I'm going through. I want to purely beat that myself, so I don't spend crystals to continue on those. But if I've gone back and I've already beaten that level, drop a rare character, and I'm about to die, I go ahead and pay, pay I and play you. on. Okay. So that's why I'm way down at zero. I have also um, used crystals to instant upgrade. If I've gotten to a point where I'm just not getting the time fragments, but right. there's another one I want, I spend those on those. So I, I spend them accordingly, but I, I try not to spend them. I think only one time did I spend a crystal in order to keep going to advance a level. But um, Here's who I had from memory. I had... Now, keep this in mind. <laughs> All of these characters were leveled up to 50, and the balance on them as far as the additions you get for the levels you get on each of the attack and health and heal are, are varying. And in fact, I, I think I have once since adjusted one of my characters as well. But I had uh, the... Eighth Doctor, uh, maxed out at five stars. Uh, Madame Vastra. I had, um, what's his name? Uh, Artie. I uh, can't remember his last Maitland. name. Maitland. Uh, because he, he's wonderful at turning uh, greens to pink in order to heal. He is a saving grace. And now that I've got him up to 50, uh, it's been a lot better because he's a much more powerful and he's got the two gems in order to go. Uh, I did not have Roy on this team at the time, but I'm, I'm failing to remember whether I had River or whether I had Amy on no no yeah Amy on this team because they also change gyms or they add bonus to gym no they change gyms river changes river uh, changes Amy's a bonus and when when you're above level forty a river changes two gyms and so does Amy so just, they change two gyms to another color uh, Amy I think changes two gyms to Amy's a bonus 
Amy is a bonus. Okay, so River changes t- uh, blue and green to red. Jenny? It might have been Jenny. Who Jenny switches to red. Uh, maybe that's what it was. And it, because, no, because it was somebody I was, I was gaining a bonus off of. Oh, I can't remember. Who, who, changes, who bonuses um, red? Because I think that's Amy. what I was doing. Amy bonuses red. Oh, I thought Amy bonuses, bonused um, uh, yellow. No. Okay, then that's who I, I had. Then that's who I had. Um, I had Santa on this team at the time that I beat him. And then who was here? Who was here? Oh, um, uh, the game, the game guy, uh, the big, the game hunter, Rydell. 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 I had Rydell on this team because Rydell, what he'll do is he will uh, stun an enemy for two turns, which a lot of times will help you if they're getting ready to use an ability. You can actually stave that off, target that particular one, and if you've got them down low enough, you can actually knock them out before they're able to use your ability. Now, that being said, it's not giving you a lot of strategy as to do this level because I can't remember. The nexus of this level, but let me jump in here and see what. Uh, oh, and, and I only you have to this adjust one. your perks accordingly. Yeah, too. And, and and your perks are important. And I have not discovered that more to go in there and continue to adjust those perks based on the level that you're playing. I have not discovered that more than playing the expert levels, which I'm nearly through. I think I only have five characters left to drop out wow. of the expert levels. Which I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute here. Um, we'll skip the story. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, highly, highly, <laughs> highly, highly recommend having the uh, Eighth Doctor on this one in order to get rid of this poison. Because I believe this is one of those big mega poisons. I don't remember if this is one of the 999 ones that you just got to get rid of right away. And I think this particular temporal uh, 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 paradox, I believe this paradox continues to stack those on you. Now, they, the nice thing is poison doesn't stack. If they hit you with poison and you've got, and it does say it's the base average of five, which most of them are, then if they hit you again right after that, you don't bounce back up to five. It continues to go until that poison is gone, and then they hit you and it goes back to five. So they don't stack, fortunately. But I remember, I do remember having eight on this one because he gets rid of that poison, uh, which is very, very important. Already, if for some reason you haven't gotten him to the level to cure, and now you got to be careful with the eighth doctor as well, because his first level um, ability is the cure poison, and it's, it comes pretty quickly. It does, and, uh, and, and that's yeah, the nice thing, nice. especially if you've got him maxed out. The second level ability is cure all, which is also very handy, unless you've been poisoned when you've got cure all, because then it's only a one-time deal for you, and then you have to knock it out. In fact, sometimes I'll do a heal all just to get him back to square one so that I can get back right. to cure poison. I've, I've burned it a few times because myself. Because while that heal all is very helpful, if you've got all of your uh, uh, health down and you're about to die, if you've got him up there and he's ready to cure all, it's wonderful because he'll knock you uh, I think it's it. I think at level 50, it might even be 100% cure. If it's not, it's oh. at least 80%, and it'll get you... Near the top I, I of think, your bar. I think it's cure all. Yeah. It's, it's so, well, by cure all, I mean it cures everybody. But I think you're right. I think it goes to 100%. Uh, you think as much as I play this, I remember this. Unfortunately, I'm not using this team so much lately. And, and, and it has been nearly a month now. I did this right after they dropped this um, chapter or this uh, prologue to this chapter. Um, but yeah, I, I highly recommend Artie because Artie will turn uh, pink, uh, green gems to pink. And I think now, once you're past level 40, he also changes another color, which might be blue to um pink as well so if you yeah it's just it's just as five turns when you punch when we're in the game here but um those at the very base uh i have rory on here now but rory is very helpful because he also has a heal i yeah. i'm more of a i'm less of a tank team 
barrage and more of a tank team heal. I like to have a very high health scale when I go into a lot of these harder games. And I also like to have a heal ratio because I would rather set and continue to uh, lob uh, at these and knock them down at a slower pace than go in and try to just do a slam and but continue to be able to heal and, and, and stay in the game a lot longer. Some people play the opposite is they will keep their heal ratio low because they're going to go in there. Well, I'm going to show you a team later that's I, I showed Keith. I think it impressed him. Yeah. But in fact, it's well, up until a certain time, it was my expert team. That's how I was going and dealing with a lot of these expert levels. But he, I go in there and I tend to just keep myself healthy is what I do and continue to kind of just chip away at the enemy. And I believe that's what I had to do on this one as well. So hopefully that helps a little bit. If I come to more advice for this, I might play through this again later. If I come to some more advice on this, I'll, I'll push it your way either I'll, I'll, I'll uh, send it through Twitter or I'll, or I'll respond to your email back if I've got any other tips beyond what I've got. But that's what I had and that's how I got through that one. And... If it's any encouragement, the, the level after this isn't as hard. To me, I think this was, if I'm remembering correctly, this was the most difficult and most challenging level for me in the prologue of Chapter 4 thus far. The next level I actually seemed to just do right away, so it was actually kind of a relief once you get through <laughs> this one. And, you, and I, don't, I don't even think I did this on first turn. I think this took me several turns. Of yeah. to get, if I, and, and again, if I remember correctly, there was no real strategy other than what I've just described, I think I got out of dumb luck, got a good combination of gems, and really uh, finally got a good That can make hit. a huge difference. Yeah, it can. It can. Um, I'm also at a point where you know I'm just matching as many combinations as I can. Uh, it's very important that you're not, uh, and I don't think anybody that plays now or that's still playing that has played from the beginning does this, but don't just look at one set of colors and hope for That's a random drop. I still struggle you with. have to go in there and realize that you're matching more than one set of gems up. So, you know, make sure you got, you know, I've got a bunch of blacks over here now together. I want those combos and just go in there and pound away. That's that's the best I can tell you right now. Like I say, if I come up with more Oh yeah, see, there I've already been poisoned. I have nobody in this this team to cure that poison. So, and that poison's going to hit hard too each turn. And it, 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 it does very little damage. Very little damage. And these are all level 50. And these, this is a powerhouse team, with the exception of that one and that one. I don't think, although, see, I've got the benefit of having red gems and I've got, I'm going up against Scream. That's another thing that I think people tend to overlook is, and you don't have to memorize these because if you target a character, whether they're the, or the enemy, whether they're the only enemy on the is screen. Is that what that arrow does? Yeah, this tells you which which of your teammate or team members is going to be most effective against that color. Now, I have these memorized based on a simple that. yeah, based yeah. on a simple system. I've got these memorized that yeah. So arrows down also. Yeah, arrows effective. down will be a weaker member of that team, which you don't have any in this particular case. Um, but you can tap target that character, and any arrows that you see, the low bouncing arrow that's over your team member, that means he's going to be more effective because here's basically it's based on here's what it's the color combination. here's what it's based on is red is always going to be uh, better against green. The reason being, or that the the mnemonic device you can use in your head is that mnemonic is uh, fire is better than wood or, or vegetation. Fire is going to burn wood. So green is your is your wood or your vegetation. Red is your fire. In turn, if you've got a enemy who is red, then you're going to want to use blue because water, water is better than fire. Okay? okay. The other one that you have to kind of stretch in this mnemonic device <laughs> is green is always better than blue. 
And the, the way it was explained to me is just think of vegetation floats on uh, water. It can't sink. So that makes it better than water. So that's the way to remember that. What about yellow? Yellow and black are the easiest to remember because they are counter to each other oh. at all times. Yellow is always better than black. Black is always better than yellow. It's oh. just a flip-flop on those two. So that's how you can remember those based on a mnemonic device. So keep in mind when you're fighting in this particular level that you might even want a stronger... I've got uh, at least three team members that have red gems that are powerful. So you know I maybe even want to focus on those more heavily. I was focusing on yellow there for a while, as you guys noticed, but that's mostly because I've been using a fairly heavy red team recently. But... Um, Oops, that was that didn't work right. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'm just so I'm so in tune with just fighting with yellow gems. But now I think I want to focus more on red because so knowing that this particular thing is a, is a green bad guy going in with a really strong red team is going to be would, a benefit would, to would, you. Yeah. Would help ship that down a little bit faster. And and I think the blessing is is when you pass level forty on any character, they get two gems because the yeah, most difficult thing the is going in with a very heavy red team and having very few counters. Right, because you have more than just look at where I'm at now. I've only got two red gems on this board. I can't make a combination with red at this point unless right. I had an ability ready to turn some gems. So you got to remember. So the next thing I'm going to look at is I'm also very strong in green. Now green is is not weak against green, so green is going to be pretty equal. So green is the next best step. So reds are the most powerful against green, but green's going to be the next best step because it's not going to be against it. It's kind of going to be an equal footing if you want to put it that way. So now might be the time to go. Start to focus on these green gems here. Saying I messed up, I meant to come down through the yellow there, so I had another combination there. But see, now I'm back to red here. We've got a red. That's too far away. Oh, I did get there in time. You want to make sure you're always getting more than just the one combo each time. Oh, there's why. Okay, yeah, one of the abilities is that where he's going to lock up my gems. At least these gems, when they're locked, you can move them around. Them. So. Uh, Really I hate the I'm lock, doing lock, this lock. So, so hurriedly that I'm not making good combos here, but uh, yeah, I just I said that's that's about the best I can do for you right now, Mish, and and get you maybe um, maybe those little tips helped a bit. Um, some of this might be stuff people already know. So so now blue is going to be here's a good example of the now yeah, blue may not. I think maybe now that it's not showing the down arrows for the blue is because of the fact that they have other gems that, that be, are yeah. basically there's that word again is uh equaling them out so it's not so bad because i don't notice as many down arrows now that i have two gems on each teammate team member so anyway we've probably dwelt long enough on this but hopefully that'll help you out a little bit mish if you need a little more help i'll, I'll try to scope out another strategy or Maybe I'll tr maybe that'll be my goal is to put together a team that that is dominant against this this week and see if I can help you out even more. Oh, and I didn't heal. Oh, but he's going to siphon the. That's good actually that I did that because now I have fewer gems on there, and I can turn th these gems. Boom! See now I got all those which are plus or not plus but equal. They're not they. I'm not getting as drained as much. Well, I did because I had. That's another thing that irritates me is. If you've got pink gems on there and you couple them with 
negative gems, ones that have been then been uh, might have the little minus next to them. If you can get more pink that have don't have minuses and couple it with a minus, you're still going to get power from that. But if you're equal to, say I've got two and two, oh, you're still going to get zero. Balances. And if you've got more yeah. against you, you're still going to get zero. So kind of tie goes to the loser <laughs> or to the winner, I suppose, in that case. I was I, I, maybe I'm looking at it wrong. I always felt like when I would get in negative gems that I, I would want to try and get rid of those as quickly as possible and get get them. Oh, that way, you, you know, have. even if, if that, that's the only combo I made, it was all negative gems and it didn't affect me at all, didn't help me or anything. But just to get them out of the way before I would turn stuff, because it seems like if there's any negative in there that. You might, I mean, if you have a whole board that's pink and there's two or three negatives in there, you'll still get health, but it doesn't seem like you get nearly as much. It it does still take a percentage of that health away from you when you do it. You're absolutely right. The thing that I think that I want to point out, too, is if you have a lot of those negative health gems on your board, here's what you do. You set up those and use those as combo because those do not count against you in a combo. The combo bonuses will still work for anything. The stones in uh, the angels' levels are the same way. Right. They do nothing for you unless you use them as a combo. So even one step beyond just getting rid of them, do this. Go at least find a three-gem combo that you can put together of a color other than the pinks. And then drag through and try to put as many of those pinks together as you've completed that com- that that combination because with that combination all of those negative gems that are going to give you no health will add to your combo bonus right because it's still bouncing as a combo so you're actually getting a benefit out of those even though they've worked against you in healing they're going to work for you in any sort of damage that you do right yeah there's your doctor who tip of the week. <laughs> Well, let's move on with feedback. Up next is Ben. Uh, Ben writes, I don't need no stinking subject in his subject line. Hey, guys, I think I missed at least one podcast. I didn't hear my last audio feedback. I'm trying not to sound narcissistic. Rather, I want to be sure it didn't end up in the vortex like the one day. The weather of late has made listening difficult. I normally listen while I do the walking part of my route. It's been minus 20 or colder for a bit now. So I've been leaving my phone in the truck. Since that avenue has been, for the moment, taken away, I've been tuning the podcast through my car stereo to and from work. But that's only about 30 minutes round trip, though. The last few days has warmed up, so listening has resumed in earnest for now. Moving on, I believe my last feedback indicated I was going to give Doctor Who Legacy another go. I have indeed done just that. It's been about three or four weeks since I took it back up. In that time, I've amassed the following. 13 of 21 Doctors, six of whom are at four stars, the rest are at three. I've also gotten 48 of 130 Companions. I have one at five stars, two at four, waiting for Fragments to upgrade to five. I've completed Chapter 1 and should be close to finishing Chapter 2. I'd be done with Chapter 2, but I've stubbornly replayed levels in order to get rare drops. Got seven rare character drops and one costume drop just yesterday. And lastly, I've gotten 149 stars so far. It's safe to say that I'll stick with it this time. (laughs) (laughs) I actually saw on Twitter he surpassed 200 stars. Did you see my star level, by the way, when you were looking up there at my crystals? You missed that. I I did not. You are far in uh, surpassing my my measly 310 stars (laughs) with your 412. But my 28 time crystals are laughing in the face of your goose egg (laughs) that's up there. Yeah, I wish I had 300 and some crystals. Wow. You don't have to buy anything ever again. I have 28 crystals. 
Oh, I said two hundred twenty-eight. No, 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 I have three hundred and ten stars. Oh, okay. I was up to. I was up to about twenty-two crystals at one point. I had forty-six before I started paying to upgrade characters. You know, when I get to that one stage, it's like automatic upgrade, automatic upgrade. Don't have time crystals and just don't have the time to go farm them. Yeah. 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 Oh, and I nearly forgot the game followed me on Twitter. I was quite thrilled by that. Um, and they're, they're great on Twitter. And I'm glad that you uh, went back to it because now there's, you know, now there's so much more of our podcast that you can enjoy because you're not rolling your eyes going, oh, my God, they're talking about Doctor Legacy again. <laughs> now for my big finish news. I, too, have been listening to their audios. I bought the last two of the Fourth Doctor's first series of audios, as well as all of his second series at Chicago TARDIS. I would have bought the third series as well there and been caught up, but my wife went radio silent when I texted her from the con to see if that was okay. (laughs) Knowing I had to come home and face the music, I figured it was better to float that purchase idea her way rather than simply show up with an even bigger stack of CDs than I'd already gotten at the con. I've listened to Trail of the White Worm, The Osidon Adventure, the Antimatter, The Sands of Life, and War Against the Lamb. This leaves me about four more audios, and then I'll need more. I have a question for you guys about Big Finish. My foray into their audios has started with my favorite, The Fourth Doctor. Until I've gotten the third series and know the first audio of the fourth series, that's where I want to stick. When ordering online, I just bought them individually. I haven't done a bundle or subscription because, quite frankly, they confuse me. As I said, uh, for right now, I'm very specific in what I want. How do the subscription and bundles work? They save money, which is a plus, but I don't want to be sent audios outside the range I'm into right now. Can you explain that a bit for me? Eventually, I want to get into the other Doctors, Companion Chronicles, etc. I think that's it for now, but if I hold true to myself, I'll remember something as soon as I hit send on this feedback. Hopefully, this found you all well. Take care, guys. Ben. Want to tackle the big finish questions? <laughs> <laughs> he shook his head no. Um, ben, I'm going to uh, refer to you to our resident big finish expert. <laughs> Glenn. No, have... Or Dr. Phil. <laughs> Dr. Phil probably be really good. I'm going to through that again. Um, immersed in legacy here. What um, is this question? Um the subscription and how the bundles work. Oh, 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 oh. Which you have more experience with well, than I do. But. Here, the problem with that is I did the subscription a long time ago, and I think I only kept a year or a year and a half of a subscription. And so I can't remember how that worked. At the time that I was getting them, I was just getting the episodes that were coming out at the time in that subscription plan, and then anything that I went back and was filling holes, I would just go back and buy individually because they're actually, when you're buying the downloads, they're very manageable as far as how much you spend on those particular episodes. So uh, that's why I'm very hesitant to speak on how that works because it's been so long since I've been in a subscription with Big Finish. At this point, I now just go get what I need in order to fulfill the show. So I haven't had that much experience with bundling anything. I do know that when you, Eric alluded to one time, that when you subscribe, you don't have to subscribe from April to April, or April to uh, March. That you can subscribe. How did that work? It's been so long. I, I wish I had more information for you, Ben. <laughs> I, I just don't do the subscription stuff anymore. 
I know Humble uh, Bundle had Humble Bundle had yeah, a nice uh, deal for a bunch a, a good number of stuff. And according to the Big Finish website, it only mentions having a subscription for the Doctor Who main range. So I don't know if the Fourth Doctor is a part of the main range or if he's a special range kind of like that would the be eight, a special a special range like the Eighth Doctor range. Lucy Miller. But you so. cannot have a special. Uh, it doesn't you say can't anything have about a subscription uh, for those specials. It does not say. So you, do you have to buy them in a chunk? No, you don't because I downloaded uh, Destination Nerva and one other one that way individually let's go to the fourth doctor ben i'm afraid we don't have that answer for you so we have failed michelle we have (laughs) failed ben we have failed this city there's an arrow reference i thought maybe sean Sean would perk up and give me a thousand points but you didn't uh, do it gravelly enough yeah if you if you had threatened me that i failed this city then i would have failed this city there you go thousand points thanks I should, um, feel like I should only get 500. The the main range subscription on the Big Finish page happens to mention that there's a, uh, you know, how this is broken down. So, for example, starting with number 146, Heroes of Sontar, in order to get the following 12 releases. And it kind of breaks them down. So I assume it's just 12 subsequent, subsequent But you didn't adventures. have to do them. You didn't have to choose from, didn't have to choose from what was current. I could go back and subscribe, I believe, retroactively as well. Yes. But I um, didn't do that, and yeah, so that's why my perception of it was you just were subscribing as they were coming new. There's also Eric a, kind of corrected us in that fact that you could retroactively subscribe. Right. But if you retroactively subscribe, my question is any of the additional stuff that you get, because as a subscriber, you do get bonus content. Yeah. And does the bonus content come within that subscription block, or does it come within what you're getting at the time that they're releasing things, too, is what's not clear to me. Uh, now, uh, according to the Big Finish subscription page, um, they have uh, a couple for main range subscriptions, they have a couple for early years discount subscriptions, and they have a couple for that just say Doctor Who subscription. So I would think main range is very obviously going to be main range, uh, and early years is probably going to be early main range. Doctor Who subscription to me is the one that's kind of up in the air that seems to imply it could be anything that falls under the umbrella. Yeah. But I, I could be wrong. Then if and that's probably a, a maybe if you uh, uh, tweeted... Um, or send them an email. Or send them an email. Yeah. But you know, certainly try and maybe reach out to uh, to Nicholas Briggs or... Uh, as, far as, Lost, <laughs> as far as Lost Stories and Companion Chronicles, I know that I went at one point, and I don't remember if this was a special because I clicked on a link that I did this is I actually got or was able to get the Companion Chronicles 1 as a bundle. So I didn't have to subscribe because I got everything that, or you could get everything that was out as far as a particular one. So I think you could go to like Companion Chronicles called Series 1 and if you bought more than just one, you bought the entire series or season, I believe you got even a discounted rate at that match as well. So I think you can get even, I think that probably applies to the Fourth Doctor audios as well. If you went to that yeah. particular uh, page, you could buy the bulk of them, a bulk of a series, cheaper than you could buy them individually one at a time. Oh, now, as interestingly well. enough, though, I, I, I went and clicked on the Choose a Range up at the top of the Big Finish page and selected the Fourth Doctor Adventures, and it says, Doctor Who, Fourth Doctor Adventures subscription, choose subscription. Please select the release you would like your subscription to start from. Yeah. Oh, there you and, go. But yeah. so, you could, so I clicked all, and it came up and said, 
Sorry, no releases could be found that match your search. So Maybe because these, it forces you to buy each individual. The, these particular ones may not be, and right. that, that may be because of the shorter format. It may be because of something else that Big Finish is not offering those in a particular subscription format this time that it's only the main range then. I don't know. That's definitely a Big Finish question that I wish we had more specifics yeah. broken um, down on. I think what it boils down to is we have been getting things as we need. <laughs> so mm. that's how we've kind of done it. Or I have anyway. But but maybe I just haven't... Uh, well, yeah, I I, I'm on here and choosing a subscription for the Fourth Doctor season four, and I got to choose starting with this. And in order to get the following eight releases, it says, "I don't." And then it's just links to the stories. So it seems like you'd be able to do uh, pick and choose, kind of an all the cart subscription. Well, it doesn't seem like it. it. That's what I don't understand. It says, "In order to get the following eight releases: colon," and then it just shows me pictures. Oh, no, here you go. You, okay, so apparently you do this backwards. You go to the Fourth Doctor Adventures page, you click on one of the picture CDs, and then there's a subscribe button. And then you brought it back up and says, please use a subscription. Fourth Doctor Adventures subscription season one, season two, yeah. season one download. That's how. That's where. And, and, and that's, page, you can do that from the. That's how when I went to there, when also. I was looking into Companion Chronicles, that's how that was okay. formulated as well. And that's why I said. You could I could actually bundle up each individual series because when I went there you could do that based on uh, series one, series two, series three, and I believe the option was to get them all at once. You, it was it's a subscription, but you could actually it wouldn't come one a month. You could yeah. get them all at the same time as well. Again, I don't know if that was a special that they were running and there was a link to it, but because I clicked on the link. So I, I think probably the best advice that we can give um, for you, Ben, specifically, is to probably contact Big Finish directly and explain that you're confused and your local podcast was zero help <laughs> uh, and, and made you more confused. Uh, and to any of our other listeners out there, if you would like to send us something that we can direct to Ben, if you're more familiar with it, or Dr. Phil, if you're listening to this, or, Eric, or some, maybe somebody Eric has, has experienced yeah. um, uh, subscription if, if you guys are, are familiar with how this is set up and can help Ben with his specific needs, uh, shoot us an email and we will forward that on to him. Uh, or if you're friends with him on, on uh, Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And um, Big Finish has a um, forum as well. And I think there yeah. are probably some very helpful people in there that can kind of explain that as well. So so, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. Let there's us know more, yes, good luck there's more or know. less help. <laughs> We're just like Doctor Who Confidential <laughs> with less facts and more witty banter. <laughs> And no help. And no, no help. help. The the traveling the vortex support page is not up and running yet. Did you finish his last line? I did. I thought finds us all well and and good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's right. All right. Up next, Chrissy. <laughs> Tried to read your mind because I didn't have the <laughs> notes open again. Chrissy writes, witness protection. Uh oh. I mean, she has to change her name. I'm no longer calling her Chrissy. She's now Sally. Sally writes, Dear Vortex Boys, It's been an insane week for me, so I'm going right into my reveal. That's probably good because you can't tell us anything about where you're at or where you're being protected at. So, um, Blood of the Daleks. Basically, this story is a more dramatic version of Victory of the Daleks. If victory had ended in blood and carnage and death, well, there you go. 
Mostly I want to talk about Lucy Miller. At first glance, it's like she's meant to be almost a blend of Rose and Donna. She has a similar background to Rose, and she has Donna's personality. The first time I heard her in an audio story, I didn't know what to think of her, but she improved as time went on. At least, I was more and more interested in her. What kept me listening to the series was the Eighth Doctor, because, come on, you can't go wrong, more, you can't go wrong with more Paul McGann. You certainly can't. Also, the mystery surrounding the Time Lords dropping Lucy in the TARDIS is intriguing. So, yeah, it's worth sticking around for. Bonus, Haley Atwell, Peggy Carter, was in this, so that was cool. Though, how many times have the Daleks pretended to be good guys and tricked people into trusting them? It seems like it happens a lot. Well, it at least <laughs> happened in Power of the Daleks and in uh, Victory of the Daleks. Yeah. And this. it seems like there were yeah this, and it seems like there was one other time that they were pretending to be helpful and ended up being the menace that they are, and it's escaping me now. But there's at least those two stories within Doctor Who proper, so or yeah proper. Well, I have to go yell at football teams who seem to exist to my life to make my life miserable. The Colts are playing the Patriots right now. If it turns out the Super Bowl ends up being between the Patriots and Seahawks, I may end up joining Keith in watching the Puppy Bowl or whatever it is he watches on <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday. The good news is that there are two episodes of The Librarians on tonight, so I have that going for me. If nothing else, take care, boys. Sally. Thank you, Sally. And Sally Wright wrote a quick P.S. Forget to mention, the Five-ish fangirls are on iTunes now. Yay! Congratulations! Everyone can search and download our new episodes, and you don't have to be tied to, the U- to YouTube, unless you want to be, of course. Those YouTube links are still an option. Thanks, everyone, uh, who listened and supported us. It means a lot. We're, going, we're still going strong, so keep watching out for us. Sally. Thank you, Sally. Very good to hear about the podcast, and congratulations yeah. to all of the ladies in the Five-ish Fangirls. Chrissy, getting the iTunes Holly, is kind of like Mish, Brittany, and Rachel. Yep, that's the Five-ish Fangirls. Oh, I went back to Chrissy's name. Sorry, Sally. 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 And uh, getting the iTunes is is kind of the. It's, it's, it's kind yeah, of the official kind of a, stamp of approval. It really you is. Know, yeah. <laughs> and I think what that will do is it will broaden their listenership as well, because there are a lot of people that are very slave to iTunes oh, yeah. as far as getting their podcast, because iTunes is really good about organizing things for you, especially if you're an iTunes fan. So if you're, you're, that's how you go through and get your, your stuff. <laughs> that That's really very helpful, and I think that you'll, you'll find a, 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 you'll broaden your listener base as well. Absolutely. Much easier to come across you guys. When I know I won't have for. I won't have to do as much work to get it to my iPod <laughs> <laughs> and organized in my iPod. Yeah, I think so. what I need is I think I need you to come over and organize my iTunes <laughs> library for me because I still won't know where anything's at if you do it versus if iTunes does it. <laughs> but at least you will have a rhyme or a reason to why things are put together versus the way iTunes does it. Uh, I, uh, I think it's pretty self-encapsulating anyway, but. It is, and it's in its own little capsule, and it won't let me in. <laughs> and it's just like, no, all the good stuff is here, but I'm not going to tell you where here is. Next up in feedback, Holly. Oh, and her, um, Chrissy's feedback had nothing to do with Legacy, and I jumped back into Legacy <laughs> again, didn't I? Who's this Chrissy you keep saying? I mean, Sally. 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 
So. Uh, Holly writes, hey guys, have to say that I'm enjoying Lucy Miller on her first adventure with the Eighth Doctor. She kind of reminds me a little bit of Donna and that she won't take any of the Doctor's crap and put him in his place when need be. The whole thing with the Professor trying to make a new Dalek race and it backfiring somewhat was an interesting twist. A little side tangent on one of the voice actresses for those two episodes has a connection to Queen, which connects to one of our favorite movies, Flash Gordon. With Brian Blessed, a.k.a. Voltan, a.k.a. King Kranos. The actress in question is Anita Dobson, who is the partner of Queen guitarist Brian May. Small world. Back to the uh, topic at hand. I have to say that this is a great story, f- a great start for the Eighth Doctor's adventures. The pacing was good, and having them at 50 minutes is just right. I've listened to a few of the others in this series, and it's nice to go back and re-listen to the... To the very start. Those are just to those just starting this run. You're in for a great ride with upcoming stories. I'll wrap it up here. Looking forward to hearing everyone's thoughts on these two audio adventures. Holly from Wisconsin. Uh, thank you very much, Holly. Thank you, Holly. Another part of the Five-ish Fan Girls podcast. So we're now on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we move on to our review of the Blood of the Daleks? Let's. I think Glenn would like to give us another legacy tip before we do that. <laughs> I don't have any right now. You don't have to start making a list. Don't suck. <laughs> I just want be to good, recall be a good player. last be a good week's player. last week's tip. I think it was Eric that pointed out that you go into Jenny uh, in the fan area if you buy a fan area, and you can uh, get a lot of XP for that because where the one wave benefits you there. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-two thousand five hundred XP for wow. one wave of character or for one wave of villains is pretty good. That is good. See, I managed to. Bring us back to legacy. <laughs> it helps that I have it open right now. I'm just obsessed. So obsessed. That's why I didn't do anything else this week. I've been, been playing, playing legacy, legacy all week. I, I, we could have brought all of that up earlier. <laughs> but you wouldn't have been able to help Michelle's That's uh, true. stuff. So. Uh, well, I still would have helped her out. But. Blood of the Daleks. With a new companion thrust upon him, the Doctor lands on the devastated world of Red Rocket Rising. <laughs> Caught up in the President Clint's struggle to keep control as rioting spread, a familiar foe comes to the planet's aid. The Daleks are back and they come in peace, but something far worse has happened, right here in Clint's backyard. Dun dun dun! dun. I like this one. Oh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. Do we want to take these as separate, um, uh, or just it's one story? It's one chunk. story. Yeah. Um, I was a little trepidatious going into this, and, and the reason being is because I had heard because well, we pointed out I think last week that these were only about an hour apiece. Um, they feel more uh, in the vein of the television series as far as episodes go. So I was a little worried because I've gotten so comfortable with the big finish mainline. Uh, range of how it's structured and how it, it, it works. And one of the big things that I noticed going into this is you get an open and you get a close. And everything in between is one complete episode. There's not a break like you get in those uh, chapter sections for... Am I remembering this right, Sean? 
there's just an open and a close for part one, and then there's an open and close for right. part two. Yeah, okay. And credits. And credits, was, which is was jarring, which I imagine wasn't so much for you. It was probably the opposite. It was the opposite. These <laughs> were the first that you read, and then you went, or rather, listened to, and then went back and started doing maybe Yeah, I'm, stuff. I really missed, uh, and still to this day, miss credits um, when I listen to a... And, I mean, it makes sense. that These these were the ones that were actually played on BBC Radio. The, these were the ones that were part of that particular format. Um, that you would do it just like you were watching the television. That you would come up and tell people what it is that you're watching. The title. So we're going to tell you listening. Doctor Who. And then you give the title. <laughs> yes, Nicholas. You know, and, and, the, and the, the, the character. It was quite jarring not knowing it was coming, though. It was a little different. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, it's, it's just like the credits. Doctor Who, starring Paul McGann and Sheridan Smith. Blood of the Daleks, Part One, and you okay? I'm ready. Bring it on. You know, it's just it, it set the tone for me perfectly. So I think what what sort of helped me a little bit is the um, audio reconstructions of some of the missing episodes that the BBC mm-hmm. Radio has done um, in order to kind of fill those gaps audio wise. Anyway, for what's been survive, uh, what's surviving audio is they do do the same thing, and they read it as though you're visualizing that on the episode that you're watching. Oh, so yeah. that kind of softened the blow for me. But it still was listening to an eighth Doctor story that I knew was going to be solely audio. That was still a little jarring to hear Nicholas Briggs pop in there and <laughs> say it as though it was a, you know, a title card on well, a. Uh, and we got the episode. opening credits with the dialogue, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of a cool way to do it." And then I. I guess forgot and was engrossed by the story. So when the end credits started rolling, I was like, "Oh yeah!" <laughs> and then we got there it is again. characters and actors. And, Whoa, okay, yeah, cool. Even more than we get off the top. Yeah. Um, with that, these really feel like television episodes. They do. They really do. And I'll tell you, I think that was a calculated move on Big Finish's part because at the time that these started was also the time that Doctor Who was returning to television. And I think that what they were doing was trying to give the same flavor that we were getting from the TV series on radio so that those people that were new to it are coming to radio because of the television series back on their TV screens. There were a lot of new viewers. And so in order to bring old viewers that weren't familiar with the Big Finish audios and weren't familiar as much with the classic Doctor Who series, these made it feel more in line with New Who. And I think that was a calculated effort on their part. The other thing that makes these feel more like the television series uh, since 2005 is the fact that I think they're much faster paced. Yeah. The dialogue is much, much more in tempo with how the new series is. Um, I, I think that, that the, the, where the dialogue in the main range kind of lets itself breathe a bit in between uh, dialogue, people talking to each other, there's not as much of that quick return. Yeah, the main range, there's a lot of quick return. You're very much bouncing off of each other throughout Mm -hmm. this entire episode, which frankly makes it feel even shorter than an hour for me. I got through this and I looked at the timer and I went, wow, it has this. This has been an entire one hour episode. And it it just, it clocked right along. And so that being said, I did miss the little breaks that we get in main range because often those are split up into four, what we would call episodes of one whole story. These and and easily, if it's not a part one and part two, is really going to feel more. To in my opinion, will probably feel a oh, lot more like yeah. TV series because we have a beginning and an end, and we have one encapsulated story. Now, my question to you, having gone through this, 
do we pair a lot of parts up, or is this just one of our few two-parters that's going to be in? I know that the recurring, that the story arc will continue. We have the mystery of Lucy Miller that will be built on their companion, their relationship together. That obviously will be expounded upon. But does it does it do like the series does, where we drop in a two-parter every once in yes. a while? It does. Yeah, okay. it's it's very much. It it, it feels like TV. I mean, it, it's, it really you, you get a, you know, we're going to get a two-part premiere, then we're going to get, I, I think there's two standalone episodes, then there's another two-parter, then there's another couple standalones, and then there's another two-parter to finish the first season. Um, and they kind of continue with that. The, and, they, and they even throw in the, uh, the, I think it's the end of the second season, has a two-parter finale. And then a third part that opens season three that kind of oh. still builds <laughs> off of what oh, happened. Wow. And it's, it's, it's not quite... A direct sequel. It's a three-parter in the same way that Utopia and <laughs> Sound of Drums is a, is a okay. three-parter. Yeah. But it's got that same kind of, of, of feel but to it. But in reverse. But in reverse. Huh. Which that sounds a little more, a little more like American-style yeah. television, where you where you leave the listener or viewer with a kind of a series finale cliffhanger and pick up the story after the break. Yeah. And so it sounds like it's a little bit more like Amer- how American television sort of does yeah. that. Yeah, I think that's another reason why I was so drawn to this. Um, in, in, in a lot of ways, it's almost a detriment to jump into Big Finish with these. And so maybe that's another thing that we can kind of warn Ben off with. with so you keithed yourself a long time ago, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I keithed <laughs> myself a long time ago. Um, you know, when, when you Although start we, with Ben's the, jumping into the fourth doctor, and those are hour long. That's too. true. That's yeah, true. that's exactly it. When, when when you do that, and you're in that mode to then all of a sudden go into a classic Who setting, it can be a little. It's You've you got know, to reversing the, 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 lot, those yeah. gears and, and 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 change up the the pacing. The, the benefit that that Ben will have is that there were no classic, there were no fourth doctor classic stories in the main range prior to. Tom yeah, coming on right. board. His were That's from the get go. His own series. Yeah, we were dealing with Paul McGann in main range, and then drastically changed the format when his stories went. And most people, and most people that were listening to Big Finish, and then left Paul McGann in the main range and went to the new stories. All experienced that dynamic change yeah, in yeah. how the story was structured. For me, it really it kind of adds a little water to my theory or my, my, my belief that Doctor Who the movie is very much more new Who, not using that in you terminology, <laughs> but but it, it fits more in line with the new series than what I think a lot of people give it credit for. That yeah. It's just the pacing is different because of the time frame in which it's produced. And this kind of helps lend some credence to that because it's just more of Paul McGann doing that same kind of, yeah. of, of thing that you get, which is... Uh, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of... Um, as much as I admire Big Finish for doing Doctor Who the way Doctor Who used to be, I wouldn't mind a, a jump down to an hour-long format in, in, in some of these cases. I think it might... Well, there's some stories that could benefit from yeah, that. Yeah, I think, I think well, that, it makes it a lot less daunting, to too, especially if you're just starting out, oh, it's only an hour worth of time as opposed to two hours. Or yeah. sometimes two and a half. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if the story warrants it, you can still go ahead and give me a two-parter, but then you, you, you break it up and you get that that one good cliffhanger versus having to put three of them in there. You get uh, you know, the, 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 the pacing and, as you mentioned, the faster dialogue and different things like that. They just kind of go along and, and lend themselves to this kind of idea. So... 
But what did you guys think of the story? Well, it was a good story. I, it's a really good story, and I'm already biased because I come in liking the Daleks. Um, I, too, noticed the, uh, as I think Chrissy pointed out, or was it Holly that pointed out? The victory the, of the... The idea that yeah. the, the, the guys, that the Daleks are coming on the premise of helping or being good or... Oh, I know what it was. The other story was the uh, Sylvester McCoy one where he goes into the alternate universe and they actually are good Daleks. Uh, oh, yeah. oh, the short story. Oh, it was an e-book. It was the e-book, that's right. Uh, that, that, that is sort of in the same vein while different because they were actually good and he so was adamant and one-minded that they know there's something wrong here and even me as a as a reader and a fan did the same thing i was right in the oh, same yeah. shoes as, as because this has been done before this has been done in power of the daleks which i don't know that you guys have done power yet i did the, We've the, not done power because of the recons, um yeah. and then victory I, I i really felt the same way that that was going to happen there and it didn't but that is the one i'm thinking there, there, there may have different. been a bit of planning on my part by pairing victory up yeah with I, 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 in fact after i listened <laughs> to this i thought okay now i know why victory goes along with this um, Other so than, as you pointed out, it was just fun to get uh, fifth season Matt Smith back on because yeah. we haven't. It's, man, his hair was different. It was wild, yeah, yeah. so oh, yeah. wild. Did you yeah. watch it this week? No, I did. I know you, I, I know you didn't join. I've, I've seen it recently. Oh, okay, yeah, I thought the same thing. Such a <laughs> wow! <laughs> it's not nearly as long and wild as it is at, in uh, Wedding River Song, but which well, has always well. kind of stuck out as a thor- sore thumb to me. But um, yeah, so I liked it. I liked the premise of. I, I, even though it's been done before, I like the premise of the Daleks. It's it's just it's something different for the Daleks to do to come in and instead of being immediately off the bat exterminate and world domination. I like the idea of the Daleks coming in on the premise of we're your allies, we're your help, and there's a little something that we want from you. And what is that? We want you to turn the Doctor over to us. That's it's it's a wonderful approach at trying to entrap the Doctor in a different way rather than coming up and butting heads up against him and losing that way. Kind of allying, uh, allying yourself with somebody or aligning yourself with somebody in order to help you out for your ultimate goal. I kind of like that little, you know, L-tangent directional uh the way we went with this as well. Well, and even without them knowing the Doctor was there, just right, their right. plot to begin with, which was rather, I think, clever and well, a nice way to change up what they're doing, is they're still trying to stop the human Daleks from being created. And go, right. how, how do Daleks do that? They destroy a whole planet. I love the I love the idea of uh, as well. I'm glad you said that because I like the idea as well of um, eliminating the. Uh, Impurity of the race. We're which creating Daleks from a... humans, which we've seen happen before. We've seen Daleks use humans in uh, the uh, the two parter with uh, Manhattan Daleks of Manhattan. We've seen them use oh, and trying to infuse yeah, trying human, to infuse yeah. human DNA. We also know that the Emperor Dalek. That's how he preserved the Dalek race. In that is revealed at the end of the uh, series nine or uh, series nine, uh, Ninth Doctor series one, uh, where he has used. Human DNA. Yeah, that's where you did that. You said yeah. Series Nine, and I totally no, I, right, I, I, I knew where, right where you were at. My problem is I, I equate Doctors with Series, and I, can't, I <laughs> always have. To, usually, my filter fixes that before it comes out of my mouth, but it's really bad. It must be broken tonight. Series One, where the Emperor Dalek, in order to preserve the race, created Daleks based on human DNA or, or used humans yeah. in order to further the race. But I like the idea of the Daleks. This is being a pure race of Daleks that recognizes that there should not be any pure, impure Daleks and that's the ultimate motive. And then the Doctor comes along to be that bonus of, well, you have to turn the Doctor over to us. 
Before I move on to the next point, did you guys want to talk anything about that? No, no. I, I, I injected what I wanted. Lucy Miller. I'm sorry, you, you, I you had pointed like I thought you offered, offered up before. Offering no, to go first. I thought it was a, I don't have anything. How about you? Um, I always have something. Uh, the... My other point is... <laughs> <laughs> the, the plot, in and of itself, is... Obviously, a bit of a, tre- or a retread. Yes. I mean, th- this is not new territory oh, for no, the Daleks. Absolutely not. We, we have likened the Daleks to this Nazi Germany regime. You know, uh, certainly from Genesis on, but, but but even technically before that. And the idea of of the purity of the blood and something has definitely been something that New Who has has kind of brought home several different times with evolution of the Daleks and, and even Victory. What struck me watching Victory this time out was. Fuzzy logic aside of why they needed the doctor to kickstart the progenitor um, thing. I just need to verify the code. <laughs> the idea that we're going to basically scrap them and, and, start, and start fresh, start anew. but yeah. start fresh from a quote unquote pure source. And I was watching this for Friday Night Who and I was giggling to myself because I hadn't yet gone back and re listened to these. And it's been, I don't know, how long have we been doing this podcast? Three years. Three years, three, four years now? Four years now. Yeah, four and years. And so it's been almost that long since the first run-through that I had with these, because I didn't start listening to any big finish until we started doing this. And I, I, kinda, I remembered it. I remembered most of the story, but I, I was looking forward to re-listening to them. And I was giggling to myself, because I did distinctly remember that, you know, idea of that purity of essence, and that the, the, this is a common thing with them. And so I, I, I like the fact that that's still kind of being bandied about, and that it's it's not just that it's a, a retread of a, a familiar. They're, idea. they're taking new avenues to explore the idea. But yeah, and and the fact that I, I enjoyed the sh- the the, the sh- uh, shadowing of uh, uh, Martez being. Very Davros-like that he, he he's yeah. doing yeah. this yeah. for yeah. the, the really sake was. of the the survival of the species, and being very father-like or mother-like, depending on which incarnation you, you kind of go with, <laughs> and and referring to them as my children, and they are your you are the brothers, and we're, we're all one big happy family. Doesn't turn out that way. No, but I I, I, just, I thought that was a nice parallel. Her Daleks kind of turning on her. At yeah. the end, yeah, yeah. I, I just I, there were a lot of really nice little parallels with that element of of the Dalek story. Um, is it something we've seen before? Yeah, like you said, where the Daleks have shown up as friends, and it's always creepy. It's always off putting. You never trust them, and, and you as, never believe as it. viewers or listeners, even Victory of the Daleks. I am your humble servant. No, you're not, and we're we're right there with the Doctor, going no, 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 no. There's something wrong here. The ebook is a great example of that, where the bull was pulled over our eyes. <laughs> no, this is yeah. This is the way this is. And and that was such a, a refreshing change. But the other thing that really struck me pairing all this together was how much my head has now retconned into the Dalek. Because in this in, in this set the doctor mentions, Don't you think I want to believe? Don't you think if there was any, if I thought there was any possibility of of a of a good Dalek? But he's kind of already resigned himself to that. And this is the eighth incarnation. And then we see Matt Smith's eleventh grab a wrench and just start beating the ever living <laughs> crap out of this Dalek because he knows they're evil. That really, doing this back to back like this softened <laughs> into the Dalek for me with, with his yeah. hatred and his yeah. malice. Yeah. All those things that I was really concerned about when we That's reviewed it. It was kind of like, no. 
I he, he's he's kind he, of prejudiced. He's, he's always been prejudiced. He, he always them. has been. So I just thought that was kind of a, a nifty one off for me. No, that, I had that, that I hadn't considered that. that, but that's very that's very cool. That's a good point. Uh, can we talk a little bit about Lucy? Yeah, let's talk yeah. about Lucy. Annoyed the heck out of me. However, initially she annoyed me. Me too. However, Chrissy is very right in the sense that uh, I didn't see necessarily the combination between Rose and Donna. I did, however, see a lot of Donna in Lucy, or now a lot of Lucy and Donna, because Lucy would have come before Donna, right? Uh, as far as writing this uh, the series, and. It was one of those things that the mystery of Lucy and what they're setting up here in these two stories really intrigued me enough that I could get past the fact that she was annoying as heck and and doing things that not even Donna would have done or saying things that not even Donna would have said. And this very um, butting of heads between doctor and companion and this very abrasive relationship that we've started out with at first, I, I... it took a long time for me to get used to, and I, I say get used to because I don't know that I s- still like their relationship, but I don't think I meant to this early on because yeah, they dropped enough so hints that there's a lot to Lucy that we Lucy Miller Lucy Miller Lucy Miller that we don't know, and this that's what this series their end game is is to really kind of drop hints and divulge her story as we go along. And that's refreshing to see that we've got a companion that is very new who isn't late. Well, it is what I love really about it is it seems like we learn in, in all of Dr. Who, we seem to learn a lot about the companion, a good chunk about the companion in their first couple of stories. And then there's a little bit more that's unlocked as we go along. Lucy's a little different in that we don't, I really, even at the end of two stories into this season, I feel like I know very, very, very little about Lucy Miller. And while it is in the new series vein in that, that we're, we, we kind of add things to the character. It's a mystery yeah, that's surrounding the, the character. It's just yeah. right there, gone. So that is enough of what they're doing for me to completely get past and got used to Lucy. And kind of the, the hairs that kept standing on the back of my head every time she talked kind of subsided and um, I'm very encouraged and in fact I'm excited to find out what, who Lucy is what this character is all about and why she is who she is and where she's at now or why she's been dropped in by the Time Lords for some reason or another so I'm really excited to get to that that point and so that's what I like about this character the personality of the character itself I can't stand but the the character of the character of where we're going to go with this hopefully uh, is is certainly worth uh, listening to these. I think it'll be twofold. I think, as you pointed out, with this being kind of new, who I think it's more along the lines of this: we have a plan from the beginning, and this yeah, overarching kind of story yeah. arc is a very new who idea. The the kind of dropped developmental hints of the character as we're going, um, yes, will come to fruition. And and for my money, obviously, I mean, she she. She's very young. She's what did we just say? Was 20? twenty? Mm-hmm. She's twenty. She just turned twenty because he called her a teen, and she. I, I just turned twenty. Yeah. So she's she's very young, and I, I even made the comment earlier today when we were out and about that because uh, Katrina was doing something, and I looked at Billy and I said, you know, you kids, you're really cute at that age where you think you know everything, <laughs> but you really don't. 
But I got news for you. You're cute for about three months, and then <laughs> it gets old. Yeah. It ceases to be cute. And that's kind of where I think Lucy's, you know, from. She's very much in the clubbing, you know, young 20, out and about, and, and, and going to her job kind of thing, uh, and being thrown into all this. So she she's allowed, in my book, to be brash. And, and I, I like that about her, that, that she's, in a, in a way, it's kind of paralleling Six and Perry. Yeah, I was, the, the, I was just about to bring that up. We're, yeah. we're getting kind of that brash, not quite best of terms relationship. Okay. Um, with, I didn't see that, but now that you pointed out. With the deeper yeah. mystery. And as the mystery unfolds and more is revealed about that, the relationship changes and, 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 and definitely softens, much in the way that Six and Perry do in audios, mm-hmm. become more you know friendly toward mm-hmm. each other, as do uh, the Dr. And Lucy. Now, before, before we go any further with this, I want you guys on your honor here. No Wikipedias, no <laughs> listening ahead, no snooping internet, looking for hints or trying to figure things out, or, hey, I just happened to read this article, and lo and behold. Because I'm in a very unique position right now. <laughs> I'm more, more frequently in this position with you. I am never in this position <laughs> with you. That I, I know more than Glenn does about things that are upcoming on this particular run. And I know this could be difficult for you to accept. But I like being able to come in here and get, I know something that Glenn doesn't. <laughs> and how often do I get to say that? Not very often. Not about Doctor Who, anyway. So promise me you won't snoop ahead. And I will promise to put these on the schedule a little more regularly than what we have been doing our Paul McGann's, so that you will get your doses of them and, and, and be able to continue with this adventure. Well, I don't want to pop your bubble. Oh, but he's already jumped ahead. No, I haven't jumped ahead, and I can keep that promise. However, four years ago, when you listened to this, you didn't divulge the end game, but you divulged enough of the character that I know where we're going. I did? Yeah, when you were talking about these stories and trying to get me to listen to it. <laughs> because you wanted to talk so much about yeah, I do so what was happening, and you've had to wait four years now. Um, but not enough that I, I really know the mystery of why she's there. I just know that there is a big reveal coming and that it's done in such a unique way that it kind of blows your mind. That much I know. Okay. So I I guess what I'm saying is I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that it's going to happen. And I know (laughs) I I, I have a little more insight now into what, where we're going with this. Okay. Fair enough. Hmm. I, w- I was kind of with, with you when would talk initially it, early on because he was so in the dark. That yeah, that's fresh. true. Uh, not liking Lucy at first, but then it wasn't. It wasn't until she and the doctor started interacting more, and I kind of later put the Perry and Six connection together that I thought that I, that I started liking her as a character and how she brought out this completely different side to Paul McGann that I really like. And we don't, we've never seen it We've never seen it before. We've never it's seen it. so fascinating. It's so cool. And very, the d- kind of dark and gruff, angry doctor that he hasn't always been. He has been at some times, but not to this level. And it feels almost a bit Capaldi it's, in an extent, the way he treats her. It's actually kind of a hint of the eighth Doctor that we saw on Karn at, uh, during Night of the Doctor. Yeah. Not yeah. prior to the That's crash, a good point. but post-crash. That, that, that it almost justifies the darkness that we see on the planet after the crash. It almost justifies that, because without this as reference, 
you could almost argue, and I don't think I see this, but I could see where somebody might see that you've got such this warm, funny character at one point in that story, Night of the Doctor, Night of the Doctor, and then you have such a different Doctor. He's still being witty and clever and funny, but he's also very dark and angry. And that works in the sense of where we're going because War Doctor is next. But it almost justifies the fact that it this helps. wasn't just a, a life-turning moment for the Doctor, that there were hints of this all along. It's been, and been building to it. And it's it. been building yeah. to it. And I think that, that in this story, actually, it, probably this entire series, will certainly help that as well. <laughs> um, this is, for me, it was just more Paul, Paul, Paul for the course. Uh, it, he's, that was clever. He's, he's such a wonderful... I mean, we, we've said all along the best part of this Eighth Doctor adventure was Paul McGann, and he's always been so great, but listening to these first and then going back to listening to the old ones, you're just getting kind of more of the... more more facets of the character, and I, there, there are so many times when he's with Charlie, and he's movie doctor, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And you're right. There's this kind of stuff, like when, when she first shows up, and he's being very computer-like reciting the TARDIS readings of this intruder that has suddenly landed and, you know, it's five meters in front of me and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then he stops and turns ice cold with the, this is my home, and you're an intruder in my home. I, it's chilling yeah, almost yeah, to hear right Paul McGann, of all the doctors, who is genuinely warm uh, in, in most of the times that we've dealt with him, deliver that line. And then uh, a second beat is when he's talking about polishing off the the, the, the hybrid Daleks, and he, he drops the, I well, had this chance once before, <laughs> yeah. and didn't do it. Just never well, that whole speech he gives Blatant them. Blatant referral to uh, oh, Genesis. Yeah. yeah. Blatant referral. The speech he gives the Daleks, have, you, can't you see how horrible this is with such a one of those moments, too? But I love that they kept, it wasn't a complete about face, that he still had those moments of humor, that he still had those, yeah. those, those, those there was so many. It was still the eighth Doctor we've grown to love, just this new aspect to him. Yeah, that so many glib one-liners. So and, much deeper than we have ever seen before. I, I, I like the idea that we can have a Doctor who doesn't lose the character of what he was in the movie and the big finish range that we've had so far and still have a different a tonal shift in the character but still be very familiar to what we've had before. I really am impressed. And I, I actually give that credit to Paul because where Steve Lyons, who wrote this, one of my favorite authors uh, for Doctor Who, where he wrote this and was very familiar, he's the most familiar of a lot of the writers with of of I should say this new wave of writers because obviously you can't compare him to like Terrence Dix or Robert Holmes or anybody else yeah, that right. wrote for yeah. classic series but and has been writing for for years and in fact my limited experience has been that the the, the Terrence Dix Eighth Doctor novels that I've read I didn't care for all that <laughs> oh, much I, no, I think which, he, I think which he bugs me to say first, because he's Terrence Dix I think he nailed him in the first uh, nailed the character in the first. In the Eight Doctors, his first outing. In I see. That's the one I haven't read yet. Yeah, so. yeah. I think you'll. Oh, that's one of the ones I haven't. But read. but with Steve Lyons being familiar enough with the the universe, it was in good hands. Yeah, and it was written well, and he was able to flesh out the character. I think because he had, he was been exposed to the Eighth Doctor in the novel form for for quite some time. 
But I give a lot of credit to Paul Paul McGann for for being able to take and realize this is a character that I have played for a long time now, and I'm getting to broaden the spectrum of this character, but I can still stay within the bounds of familiarity with what you expect from this doctor. I don't take a about turn and be completely different. I can can I can much like I think. Uh, Sylvester McCoy did with the Seventh Doctor when when the Cartmel Master Plan was starting to be put into place, and we were going to get darker stories. We never lost that original Seventh Doctor we saw in the first season. We never lost that whimsical cosmic clown, that 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 sideshow fun man. But we saw a character change that we were that we really loved and wished had gone on. And, and, and from my understanding, it does happen in the, in the books. Same thing with Paul. We still have that warmth there. We still have that same character, but there's a much broader dynamic that gives him even more character to to build with. And and I think that that's probably what this new series, this 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 eighth Doctor series that got launched, will do for Paul McGann as far as building Doctors, not pigeonhole him into movie Doctor, but really give him a, a, an opportunity to broaden the spectrum of of the eighth Doctor. The um, poor, the, the poor citizens of Red Rocket Rising. Um, <laughs> wow, you got smashed with this asteroid, and and a, again, a very chilling description of the. Uh, how did he describe it? The um, impact winter. Yeah. Oh yeah. Followed yeah. by the ultraviolet spring, yeah. <laughs> which I. Was, <laughs> Oh, what a great sci-fi thing to throw out there! You know, ultraviolet spring. That's, it's, a, it's, it's a book title. It's, you know? a, it's, it's a cool. It's a triple whammy for them because an asteroid has devastated their planet, and then rescue comes, and the corruption in the, the societies of classes who basically there it is again that bartered the, the bartered their way onto a lottery system and stuck the lower classes because they, they allude to the fact that. The upper cl- it was supposed to be a lottery. The crazy guy, what's his name? Tom. Uh, Tom. Tom yeah. he, he alludes to the fact that there was supposed to be a lottery for the people that were going to be rescued off this planet, which gives everybody a chance. And it's then to find out, it's amazing went. how much. Yeah, <laughs> and and so obviously the rich and the upper class were able to barter or buy themselves onto these rescue ships, and they're gone. So you got a double whammy of everybody that's left over. Not only have they lived through an impact, they've now been. Uh, lived through the corruption of not being able to get off this planet. And then when rescue is on the horizon again, then suddenly it's the Daleks. <laughs> and so there's that triple whammy. And you really do feel people for, yeah. feel bad for the people on this planet. And, and Tom and you, was such a good character. He was. Such a good he was character. a lot of fun. And you understand their, their uh, dislike of the, the gal who is in charge and, and why yeah. they're, they're rioting and they're, they're, you know, uh, rallying against her, but yeah, Tom. Tom is Tom wonderful, is, wonderful character. And he, he's one of those characters that show up, and you're like, oh, he's that guy, and then <laughs> proves himself to be and way Lucy more than, than that guy. Lucy even calls him out as that guy. Yeah, he's wearing a tinfoil hat, and, like, <laughs> and then he makes the joke later. I've got more tinfoil here somewhere, and she's like, no, no, no. Because <laughs> you, know? you just you know, initially, it's a Doctor Who thing. I just kind of assumed well, it was a, a sci-fi thing. It's not really tinfoil. Yeah. And he said, no, I've got more tinfoil here. <laughs> I, I like the idea, too, that there's at one point where Lucy's almost ready to take a hat. Because 
I, I don't even remember the situation they're in, but she makes a comment about too bad we don't have another hat or something to that effect. <laughs> and I think it's at the point where they've, they've been captured or she's being taken before the Daleks because they realize what an asset she is. And so at that point, she's, she wants to... She wants a hat at that point. She doesn't necessarily say it in so many words, but you get the impression that's implied. Maybe the hat's not such a bad idea. The um, I didn't catch it until the second listen through. Did you guys happen to notice the end speech that uh, acting president uh, <laughs> yes. Clint gave? That rescue is all that allies were coming from. Tell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't hear that at all the first time it. through, and when I did, I did. So they're they're not unlike us, I and did. they're coming from. <laughs> I, did, I did an air punch. I was like, she was doing that, you know, and and you're 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 buying into it. You're going, oh good, these people have these been poor people. These people have suffered enough. Rescue. Somebody finally is coming. finally coming, and they're coming from the t- planet Tella. Oh no. <laughs> And they they structured it so well because she says tell us. It's a quadruple punch. (laughs) I want to see the sequel now. (laughs) You just you don't think Gilligan's Island's real, do you? Those poor people. (laughs) Just oh, Red Rocket Rising was not long over this world. And this is the 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 funny. It's a a little nitpicky writers thing. But when I first heard, oh yeah, we're on the planet Red Rocket Rising, and I went, really. Yeah, I thought it was a, a weird lame. planet name. I, who would name a planet Red Rocket Rising? Steve Lyons would. Steve Lyons would. <laughs> but at the same time, it's such a Doctor Who name. And it just, with everything else, it, it felt very classic like, series yeah. to me. And so yeah. I just bought right into it. Well, like Galaxy 4. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know. Okay, sure. You know, it's just. I, it, sometimes it's nice not to have. Overthinking. Rigel 7. Or <laughs> sometimes you want those those those, those sci fi names, and sometimes you, Soul Three. Yeah, sometimes you don't. You <laughs> that just, one actually makes sense. It, it is this. It's like okay, you know, yeah, because nobody's going to remember Kapuschaflocken, you know, <laughs> the Great Planet. You, you just uh, Red Rocket Rising. I'll remember that. You know, I'm. Not, <laughs> it's true. If you ask me, what was the name of the the, the planet that uh, the Daleks landed on in uh, Planet of the Daleks? I I wouldn't be able to tell you. I can't even tell you. What was the, what was the name of the planet they landed on in Death to the Docks? What was the name of the planet they landed I don't know. Red Rocket Rising? I will remember. Red Rocket Rising. <laughs> Death to the Docks, another story where there wasn't a false premise, but they did have to ally with the Doctor briefly. Because was it the, Death or was it the other one? Uh, there's another D. Death is where the ones where their guns didn't work. Because yeah, that, of the, that is the, the one where yeah, they're forced the, to ally ex, with. Exilion, I think, is yeah, the name of it. They're, they're forced to ally with the Doctor in that, although... Again, that's not for her at all. But yeah. Um, what you guys think? Did you have to reset the brain at all, knowing that the, the time lords were still in full effect at this point, and that well, the, the whole reason she's there is this kind of witness protection program that they have come up with. That was an interesting approach, but I didn't have to reset my brain at all since you know the time lords are still there for neither the doctor, so. Neither the Doctor fixes so much. Yeah, I suppose that's true. <laughs> Fitting the Eighth Doctor's timeline in. Uh, didn't need that as a mechanism, but no, not at all, because um, while I, I've always felt the In movie, my mindset, it's now it's always Eighth Doctor. While the movie feels a bit new series, I've always lumped the Eighth Doctor into the classic series, which some people are still hesitant to do, but... I have always lumped him into classic series, and for me, classic series means Time Lords are here. New series means Time Lords are gone. Yeah. So, I just I forget sometimes because 
we haven't had a whole lot of interactions with Paul and no, other there, Time Lords. No, there hasn't been. And so to have well, that come up. Read Eight Doctors. Well, other, other than. Um, read the Eight Doctors. <laughs> other than Zagreus, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of, well, kind yeah. of a lot of Time Lords in that yeah. one. But, um, yeah, I just, I just sometimes forget. And so even going back listening to this and, and knowing, I know the story. I know what happens to her. I know why she's there. But just hearing it again, and he's rallying at the, you know, I won't do it. Do you hear me? I like how he keeps the very uh, uh, third doctor keeps talking to the, to the sky <laughs> because, you know, the Time Lords are continually monitoring you. Omniscient. And then I laughed. What? You left me? Yep, twice. Kept, kept my- <laughs> that's that's something I did not expect. I, I kind of expected him to wait around for her to... Sh- Decide to come with him after all. He tried to, then to he, leave. Her. Yeah, and he, several times, <coughs> which makes me really intrigued to listen to more to see how the relationship develops. Considering he's so against having her as a companion. Uh, also, though, I think that could come across as very bad for the doctor leaving a companion, which she wasn't quite a companion, and he was never letting her get to that status of companion. Although structurally in the story, she's the companion. Uh, it could have come off badly, but you also get this impression that he still had a glimpse of the Time Lords that he wished the society had become and not the corrupt Time Lords that really were in for it for themselves. Yeah. I think he really genuinely felt like the Time Lords, because they were manipulating her and trying to put her in this situation for some reason, because he left her behind, would take care of her. Yeah. yeah. And they, so they, you, it come really comes across that they would her yeah, take this. care of her. Well, and, and even for as abrasive as their relationship was with each other, I never took that to be anything more than he was upset with them. Yes. Not with yes. her necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. But she kind of got the spewing of the bile because of the fact that she was a tool of the time yeah. He suspects she's a tool. Well, and, and even when the, the when they've surrendered to the Dalek and uh, they're being marched back to uh, the, the ship, and um, they're kind of doing the what I, what I will now always attribute to Paul as this old married couple, <laughs> um, you know, back and forth, and the Dalek screaming at him to shut up. <laughs> it's going to kill both of them regardless of orders. Um, and, and you know, he's pointing out that you know, well, your first interaction, you were leading them to me. You were doing this. Well, you were going to do this. Well, you were going to do you know this back and forth with them. Even that as antagonistic as it was, it still felt playful to me. Yeah. The, yeah. 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 He wasn't really twisting the knife. Well, he's <laughs> so, sort of having the back of your he was head. He's poking with a stick, but he wasn't he's, twisting He's also the knife. using maybe that to set the Daleks off kilter, too, in order as part of some grand plan. He's had. You always, I, I've always trusted that the Eighth Doctor is such a forward thinker that he is always setting a plan in action, even when it's not obvious that he's setting a plan in action. So I almost felt like that was sort of a distraction so yeah. that he could figure out what to do in order to stop the Daleks. So it was kind of in that place as well. And it's funny to hear the Daleks complain about two people having a conversation when they're the most annoying conversationists <laughs> in the universe. Well, and I had that scene not come on the heels of him trying to save her from going with him. Yeah. It would have come off a lot more bickery and a lot more mean. Yeah. But, but it, he tried to keep her from coming along and out of the Daleks' clutches and doesn't succeed. So then Certainly it helps true. that he does actually care for her and is trying to protect her. Anything else that we need to anything else we need to touch on before we move on? I don't think so. Nope. All right. 
Well, we we did a lot of the um, sports podcast early in the show, so we'll skip that this week. What do we got coming up on the schedule? Uh, schedule this week, Friday Night Who, which if you're new and don't quite know what we do, every Friday night at midnight we watch an episode of Doctor Who uh, and tweet along at midnight central time here in the States, uh, which we had somebody ask, where are you guys at? Because it's 6 a.m. in London when we're doing this. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, midnight our time on Friday. Uh, this particular week, we are doing William Hartnell in The Sense of Rights, but we're doing parts one through three, because anything longer than five, we break up, because it's way too late to do, <laughs> do them all at once. Uh, so we're going to do The Sense of Rights, parts one, two, and three. And then our show next week is kind of the uh, the big Beyond the Doctor with William Hartnell, and we will be discussing Carry On Sergeant. And uh, hopefully you can... Uh, acquire a copy and, uh, and, and, and join in the fun of that because it's uh, supposed to be a very um, hoot of a film from what I understand. I still haven't watched it myself yet. Uh, and then we'll be finishing up uh, The Sense Rights next week and then, or the following week uh, for Friday Night Who and then reviewing The Sense Rights and Big Finish Mainline number 85, Red. And then we will have the rest of the schedule posted hopefully tomorrow. All right. Excellent. Great. Is there anything that we need to uh, touch on then beyond that? Uh, Saturday, 9 Central Standard Time, we're watching Iron Man 2 for flicks, uh, Marvel with Friends. Marvel with Friends. Well, it's, it's a Flicks, it's a, it's a flicks with Friends spin-off, Marvel with Friends. It's a more um, directed. It's not even a spin-off. It's a um, category. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's more a, detailed. It's a sub-genre. <laughs> Direct-oriented. Direction-oriented. So if you're so inclined, please join us. Yeah. And if you're not inclined, join us anyways. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. We'll see you again. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.